Yes, sir. Kyle and DJ on the mic. Gambling Feud. Partnered with Coda Sports Gambling Network. Hitting bets. Hitting bets. Hitting checks. Hitting checks. Making necks. Making necks. I bet. Let's hit some bets. Locks on, locks on, locks on, locks. Locks on, locks on, locks on, locks. I don't need the keys when I get the locks. Hitting them wagers, locking my pacer, doing it major. LA Lakers, locks on, locks on, locks on, locks. Locks on, locks on, locks on, locks. I don't need the keys when I get the locks. Hitting them wagers, locking my pacer, doing it major. LA Lakers. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Gambling Feud Podcast. So happy you guys can join us today. My name is Kyle Comas. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Comdog. Now, this is an exciting episode of Gambling Feud. Normally, when we record Gambling Feud, what we do is we do the guest pick em segment first. So the guests don't have to wait until the end of the show to do their picks. And then we record the rest of the show. Today, however, we have guests on for the entire time as we're doing a special UFC edition of Gambling Feud for our main betting segment, along with the usual pick em. So joining me, as always, fresh out of Wisdom Tea Surgery, is my co-host, DJ Luch. You can find him on Twitter at DJLow4422. DJ, glad to have you on. Glad you're doing well after that surgery. Yeah, it's good to have a great day. And um, 27 hours out of having four Wisdom Teeth pulled. Uh, I got some some pain pills and such. And so I'm just rolling and rolling, rolling. Um but yeah, we got we got a good show ahead of us and something we've never done, a UFC special. We have what I consider two UFC experts, two UFC, uh, I don't know what you call them, knowledgeable geniuses maybe. They might not be good at betting, but they know almost everyone in the UFC. Um, but first, a quick shout out to our song producer, Lucas Parker. I know our guests know Lucas, but Lucas threw the song together last minute. Uh, so shout out to him. You can find him on Apple Music at Luke Seven. That's L U K, the number seven. L U K E, then the number seven. Uh, he has his latest album Virtues on Apple Music and Spotify. So check him out. But anyway, let's get to our guest, our UFC geniuses. Uh, first, we'll start with the legendary Jacob Thompson, aka JT. JT, how you doing today? Pretty good. How you doing, buddy? Not too bad. You know, rum rolling, rolling, rolling. But uh, and then our other other guest we got on is Alex, aka Leroy, aka Al Buddy, aka A Long. He's got a lot of names. How you doing, boss? So uh, but yep. So yeah, we're gonna get into it more with them. But first, uh, let's kind of talk about what just wrapped up the Coda Cappers contest. Kyle, thoughts? Congrats, DJ. You were down at one point. Uh. 40 units you're kind of just banking on having that shirt you end up finishing plus 13 units i for a while there was pretty nervous i'm like i was in last place minus 30 i end up going positive so i end up finish finishing third shout out b russ i know you got to wear the shirt so uh but dj congrats again as always just a quick recap of how the contest actually went down so dj won the 250 dollars. he finished plus 13 units on the month and then uh, Pace finished plus 10.34. I was in third with 0.344. Uh, RC Stone Cold was fourth with minus 1.5. Puma Cakes minus 4.77. And our good buddy Brandon Russell 
finished last with minus 8.98. So, DJ, what what happened during that contest? What made you go off, I guess? What happened? Well, I started off by branching out. Our maximum was 10 units play, so I started branching out five units on the Blues. Blues at home, easy money, minus 150. Blues lose. Okay, whatever. I'll bet on the Blues again. So I throw 10 units on them. They lose again. I'm like, all right, I'm literally going to bet on them until they win. They end up losing four times in a row, and I'm down a solid 40-some units. And it's just – it's not looking good. It's not looking good. So I said, you know what? I, I text the guy Pace who was kind of organized it all. I said, I am going to either bet out of this or I'm going to bet straight into the fire, straight into last place. Uh, so I just kept betting 10 units three times every day, 10 units, 10 units, 10 units, and then – like I kept telling Pace, I'm going to get hot. And then I didn't get hot that day. And I said, I'm going to get hot. And I didn't get hot. Well, after five days, I eventually got hot. Boom. Rose at the top. And that $250 is coming back to Des Moines. Uh, the boys at the ranch, that's where Alex and JT live, the ranch up in Johnston. Uh, they said the 250 belongs to the ranch, and I agree with them. So we're bringing the 250 to the ranch, baby. Whoa. Let's fucking go. Woo. Ooh, that kind of hurt. Um, nice, anyways, nice. Kyle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you know, I'm just I'm just happy I didn't get last, truthfully. Like I was minus 30 <laughs> units. I thought for sure it was gonna end up being me. I did three 10 unit bets and all three hit, which put me in the positive, and I just stayed positive ever since. So you know what? I didn't get last, but I didn't get first. So you know what? Just sometimes it's better starting good than finishing bad. That's true. But I do think of the quote from Ricky Bobby: if you're not first, you're last. <laughs> Bingo. Yeah, yeah. Couldn't agree more. Yep. <laughs> uh, also, an exciting fact, our former guest picker, Soup, a.k.a. Josh Campbell, is now in the Code of Capper contest for the month of March. So look out for him. I think he's our, he was in the leaderboard. I think he was at first place as of this morning. So He was ahead of me by uh, 0.4 units. He is at plus 3.4. I was at plus 3, so... Yep. All right. So let's get on to the uh, next segment, our random poll. Um, random poll has not been sponsored. Maybe we could get Feller Farms to sponsor it. That is Al's farm, but uh, there we go. Yep. Feller Farms. Early ads. Early ads. So the random poll sponsored by Feller Farms pending. Um, <laughs> what is the one team in sports you hate the most? Kyle, we'll start off with you, and then we'll go to the boys at the ranch, and I will wrap it up. All right, sounds good. Well, I got a whole little spiel about this team, and it's a team that most people wouldn't expect that you would dislike, and some people might be surprised by this, but my least favorite team in all sports is the Pittsburgh Pirates. Now, there's several reasons for this. Number one, I'm a Chicago Cubs fan, so you, you got to hate the Pirates. But there's several more reasons for it. First of all, they had Andrew McCutcheon for several years. Andrew McCutcheon is my least favorite MLB player, like, currently right now. I know he's not on the Pirates anymore. I don't care. I still don't like him. Now, I'm not going to deny to you that in 2012, 2014, dude was a beast. Batting over 300, and he got MVP votes all three years. He won MVP one of those years. But besides those three years, he has been garbage. Yet Pirate fans are treating him like he's one of the best players to ever step foot on the field. Saying he's a GOAT in the outfielder conversation is absolutely ridiculous. And Pirate fans do that. So that's one reason. Also, Clint Hurdle, who I don't believe is their manager anymore. Nope. But he's 
one of my all-time favorite managers of all time. He always was acting like a, a tough guy, but he's just he's just soft. I remember when uh, him and Joe Madden were going at it one game, and like Joe Madden was like charging at him. He's like standing there chewing his gum. It's like, dude, if Joe Madden gets hands on you, like you're gonna fall down in one punch. So, absolutely can't stand Clint Hurdle. And then finally, their fans. Their fans are always talking crap. Yet they're irrelevant in many ways. They haven't won a World Series since 1979. They have yet to win the NL Central. They haven't won a division outright since 1992. They've made the postseason all three times. They've only three times since they won the division outright in 1992. And they lost the wild card two out of the three of those years. So it's just ridiculous how they can talk crap to the Cubs and the Cubs lose. Yet your team is so irrelevant the way it is. So if you want to talk smack to the Cubs, I would evaluate your own team first. Boom! Give it to him, Kyle. Wow. Can you agree Woo. more? Can you agree more? <laughs> All right. All right. Let, let's go to the boys at the ranch. JT, we'll start with you. Who do you? Who do? You, what team do you hate the most? I fucking hate the Chiefs, man. <laughs> I like, and like just to start, like their fans are just—they're insufferable. <laughs> like before they even won anything, they were the cockiest people. And, like, I know there might be, like, a few Chiefs fans that ever listen to this. And, like, I'd like to say it's not you, but it, it probably is you. Like, it's just – they're, like, all awful, man. Like, I just – I just – very little respect for most of them. And then, like, on top of that, like, I'm a Patriots fan. We got a ton of shit as, like, villains for the longest time. And, like, half of their team is just pure scumbags. <laughs> like, just absolute terrible people. Like, like all of them. Like, fucking Tyreek Hill broke his son's arm. And then, like, was caught. Like, basically, like, caught. Like, just red-handed. And, like, nothing happens. Like, nobody talks about it anymore. So, whatever. D Ford beat the living shit out of his girlfriend. Like, with kids in the room. No big deal. Their head coach's son, who is the offensive specialist of some sort, a coach on the team, got, was lambasted, plastered, wrecked into a car, and injured two little girls or something in the back seat. Not talked about. Never. It's not gone through the news cycle at all. Like no one, no one speaks on it. They're just still talked about as they're the this brilliant superhero team. Like all great guys. It's just like why were the Patriots? And I'm not even a Patriots fan, but why, why, why do we paint some teams as a villain narrative when the Chiefs are very easy to paint as a villain right now? This is not happening. They are just Mahomes can do no wrong. Travis Kelsey is the goat, which is a hilarious fucking conversation to have because he's not. He does half of a tight end's job. Yep. And the worst part, the worst part by long is, dude, Patrick Mahomes is not only ugly as shit, but like <laughs> terrible. His voice is awful, and his girlfriend is so ugly, so ugly. Brady, only hit models. Only hit models for fucking 20 years. And he got shit because of one odd commercial. And this dude gets no shit. He's so weird. I don't care if he can throw inside on 75 yards. I don't care. Like, he's weird and annoying. And I don't like him. He shouldn't be the face of the league. It's embarrassing. God. Oh, man. Okay. Yeah, that's all. I respect it. I respect it. And the Chiefs have one of the best PR departments in the league, I would say. Like, how <laughs> the PR? Seriously. Like, the fact, Jesus Christ. The way none of this stuff 
circulates the media. And like I said, the fact they're not painted as villains. Like, yeah. We managed to paint LeBron James as a villain for a four-year stretch. Like, he's one of the greatest human beings there are. Like, the man can literally do no – he always gives. He was a villain for four years. We painted him as a villain. So we have the capability of painting them as a villain. We're choosing not to. Because, like, I just – we just laid out – Four or five solid options that you could roll with any one of those options and they'd be a solid villain. And we're just like, nope. Yep. We Chiefs Chiefs are our glory team. Like we fucking love the Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes is just the most incredible thing we've ever seen. Travis Kelsey is a goat tight end. That defense is really coming together. Tyron Matthews, the honey badger all over again. No! No, they're fucking not. They're fucking douchebags. They're cocksuckers. They're scumbags. That's why Brady beat them. Again, doesn't matter where he goes. Patriots or not, he's your fucking daddy. So I don't think we need to ask Alex who his least favorite team is. <laughs> I, I do hate the Chiefs. That is that is very clear. But since that's who he took, I'm a Broncos fan, so it's easy for them. It's very easy for them to be my hatred, and that would be too easy. It's like low hanging fruit, and so I want chose to go a different route. And mine actually kind of plays well off of yours, Kyle. Because I think the reason Pittsburgh fans are so shitty is because Pennsylvania fans in general are garbage. I hate Philadelphia fans. I hate Philadelphia weather, regardless of sport. Now, my least favorite team would be the 76ers because I fucking hate. I'll, I'll get into it. But just connecting to your point, I think all of those freaking Pennsylvania teams, whether it's the Eagles, whether it's the Pirates, whether it's the 76ers, whether it's the Steelers, no matter who you're getting in there, like they're all some cocky, conceited, unrealistic motherfuckers. And that kind of that plays into my Sixers. That 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 is them to a T. They talk shit when they're whether they're the worst or the first, they're gonna talk the most shit. They're gonna kick you while you're down. You could be going like your team is struggling. They could be worse than you. Celtics could be having their worst season ever, and Sixers could still be worse. They're still gonna talk shit. It's like, bitch, what are you even? They have no logic in their arguments. They think every single player that they get is the greatest player of all time. Ben Simmons is literally still to this day talked about as being the next LeBron James. Guys, he hasn't gotten better. He's been in the league for four years now. Not a single stat has improved. In fact, most of them have gone down. It, this dude's not, he's not LeBron. It's not going to happen. But you try to tell that to a Sixers fan, they'll, they'll try to fight you. They'll <laughs> Bill insult your mother. Like, it's just, it's the most absurd thing I've ever seen. They've never won anything. Anything. Like, their best player, Joel Embiid, has a quote saying that the Celtics and Sixers don't have a rivalry because it's not a rivalry when they kick your ass every time, referring to the Celtics. The Celtics kick their ass every time. And yet Sixers fans just ignore that and they're like no this is a rivalry oh we're better than you it's like your best player admitted it what more do i have to do there's it's like talking to a brick wall worse than that it's nope not even gonna not even gonna go worse than that it's like talking to a brick wall not gonna make any insults to anyone <laughs> yes this is I a family hate, show <laughs> i hate sixers fans with a burning passion and it's so much worse this year that they're fucking playing slightly well and the Celtics have their heads so far up their ass that I have no leg to stand on. They're just firing off at free will. And it just makes me hate them even fucking worse. So Sixers. Sixers is my my shot for sure. Tatum, go lay down. 
I feel like the trend is like uneducated fans are mm-hmm. with like decent teams or teams that have been kind of good. It just mm-hmm. it gets they just like they're just uh, confident. They're confident, stupid, and just yeah. Oh man. So I'll do mine quickly. I want to do the Cardinals, but I feel like it's just so obvious as a Cubs fan to say the Cardinals. So I'm gonna go with the Packers, which is almost another obvious one as a Vikings fan. But like Lambeau is such an awful town. Like, do they even have restaurants there? It is so small. Like Lambeau is not a cool. What Green Bay? I guess uh, Green Bay, not Lambeau. Lambeau's yeah. the field. Yeah, 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 fake news. Green Bay. Someone had, yeah. <laughs> if someone didn't check you, no one would watch the show. They're like, "This moron just called Lambo a town." Like, ah, we can't, we can't listen anymore. <laughs> we had to check. I'm, yeah, you understand that? I'm gonna use my first wisdom tooth card right there. Um, <laughs> that was the wisdom tooth's fault or yes, teeth, I guess. Yeah. So that's my first one. But yeah, the city of Green Bay is so small and so irrelevant. Like, if they didn't have football, they would literally be a ghost town. And it's just. Packers fans are just the most annoying. Like, first they have Brett Favre. They dominate. In my era, I guess. They have Brett Favre. They dominate. Cool. They're cocky. Then, Can I then, you off real quick? Yeah, let's Not, do it. All right. You'll keep you'll, – I know you'll keep the ball rolling, but I just wanted to hit on your uh, Green Bay is a terrible town. I want to hit that Wisconsin is a terrible state to have <laughs> yeah. Like, are we going to – in Milwaukee, people are going to go get fucking plastered and go party in Milwaukee after they beat the Bucks. No, nope. there's not. Why don't we put fucking pro teams in Iowa? That's the same goddamn thing as in Seriously. Wisconsin. How they, is Wisconsin have, they have no fan base. They have no anything. Like, no one wants to go there. It's cold as shit. It's oh, gross. Sure. Like, yeah. sorry. So continue. No, I, but I, I agree, though, because – because I wanted, oh, I, I wanted, yeah, going through this, I wanted to put the Cardinals. Then I wanted to put the Brewers. And I was just like, I, I can go off. I hate those teams. Like, I just, I hate those teams. I can't. So, but the Packers, I mean, it's all just one giant. I mean, obviously St. Louis isn't there, but the whole state of Wisconsin is just two thumbs down. And they're bragging about their Wisconsin Bells. They got yeah. lakes. Yeah. Get out of here. Yeah. So, all in all, Yeah. I hate the Packers. They, they went from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers, and the Vikings have just never had a quarterback half that good ever. We had Brett Favre that one year, and we were the best team in the league, and then we got screwed. You go from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers, and you guys you win one in the past 15 years? like That's true. It's kind of embarrassing. Nothing, nothing, smells shit, or nothing spells shitty franchise quite like that. Having you two- have the- you have the most important pieces. You have two, without a doubt, top ten quarterbacks, arguably top five quarterbacks of all time, and you you get you got one Super Bowl in fifteen years. What y'all doing up top? Yes, you're, you're, not, you're not putting together very good rosters, my guys. That's I all agree. I have to say. Well, good on. Good stuff, yeah. fellas. We're gonna be posting a poll on her our Twitter page at Feud Gambling. So feel Are free to. You- how are we just gonna do all three of those or all four of those teams then for that yep. poll? We'll do all so four. And if you we'll see who wins out of us four. Then you can, then you can uh, uh, let us know what team you would put in that place. But we'll do that poll. So let's uh, let's transition to a couple more segments before we get into our main betting segment. So uh, let's go on um, my crazy side of the week. My crazy side of the week is sponsored by Muddy Bites. Everybody loves those champ cones, but the best part of the champ cone is absolutely the end of the champ cone. Muddy Bites is just that, just a bag full of end of the end of the cones. Go to muddybites.com and get 
your special bag. I know I'm going to be doing mine here in a little bit, so feel free to get yours, muddybites.com. So my stat of the week is only one QB in NFL history has started 50-plus games and has never thrown a pick six in their career. And this absolute – I want them to guess. I want this Alex absolutely to startled guess. me, but yeah, guys, what do you guys think it is? Say the stat for me one more time. Only one QB in NFL history has started 50-plus games and has never thrown a pick six. Who is it? Um, Impossible. Yeah. You, you have a guess? No. I'll give you guys guesses. Um, They're in the league right now. I'll give you that. Okay. And it's just something – it's someone you would never expect. That's all No more hints. Okay. They're not going to get it. It's We're cousins. No. Alex? <laughs> I've watched him throw a pick six, so. Okay, yeah. Um, give me – Alex Smith? Nope. It is Mitchell Trubisky. No, no way. He's That's the, what I'm no. <laughs> Mitch Trubisky is the only QB in NFL history no to plus games and never throw a pick six. That literally might have been the last quarterback I would have ever guessed. I'm super upset right now. <laughs> He's never that thrown a big six. That, that, that impressive, crazy stat of the day. Yeah. Hats off job. to you for finding that because that's fucking insane. <laughs> that's fucking insane. It was, it was crazy, and I, ha- I, I had to share it. So Yeah, no, no doubt. DJ, what do we got for a gambling tip? All right, so DJ's pro betting tip of the day, sponsored by Looch Farms. Happy cows make great steak. Great steak comes from Looch Farms. Working one day, one step at a time to feed the world. Uh, and today, Weens, it's a UFC special. I thought we should talk about Moneyline uh, and how it actually – every Moneyline is actually a win probability. Uh, so there's multiple sites you can do this at where it'll convert any money line to a win probability. And I think this is important for establishing value. Uh, basically, your hockeys, your baseballs, and your UFCs, basically most of the betting is relied on money line. Uh, and so let's say you think in a matchup, a team's going to win two-thirds of the time. That's a 66.67%. Um, so, so let's say if it's baseball, whatever, whatever it is, if they play three games, the one team's winning two. And you look and you convert the money line and it shows that they're only a 60% chance to win. Then now on your side, you have a 6.67% value essentially by establishing. So yeah, basically with these sports that are heavy relying on money lines, it's good to always convert them to percentages to see actually what the minus 125 or what the minus 175 actually relates to in implied win probability. So check that out, especially for this weekend with this, insane ufc card <clears throat> which let's transition to that first off i'll just kind of set it up we have an insane ufc card this march 6th this saturday i mean three championship fights or three belts or i alex and jt can get into it a little more but i mean this is gonna be one of the best cards and the prelims are pretty solid the uh early prelims aren't bad like i mean there's not many bad fights on this card. Um, so, Kyle, why don't you start off? Take it away, buddy. Yeah, so basically how this segment's going to go down, this is our first ever. So normally we do a main betting segment. We do the best games of the weekend. But this time we're going to do focus solely on this UFC card because the UFC card is extremely stacked. Now, mind you, we brought in Alex and JT because DJ and I know very, very minimal about UFC. We did do research before this, though. So, like, when we make our picks towards the end – um, 
they will be knowledgeable and they will be with uh, us knowing what we're going to do. But so what will happen is DJ is going to list off the prelims and the, and other games matches as well. And then when we get to the main card, we'll each give our prediction. They'll give a breakdown as well. So it's going to be very, very little of me and DJ talking and a lot of them talking. So DJ, why don't we, uh, why don't we get started? Yeah, first, I have a couple questions. Just a, a funny story. Obviously, I know Al and JT pretty well. So I had some funny stories planned. Um, and so this first one, me and Al, obviously, as we normally do, we, we conversate. I don't know if it's a real word, but we do it. And okay. we were talking, <laughs> we were talking about the Oklahoma bar fight. And I was just talking about what I knew from the video. But apparently, Al, word around Des Moines is Al has insider information, stuff that happened outside of the video. Al, let's go to you, buddy. What do you got? What happened? Yeah, basically, I've just done a little more research into the topic. And uh, I'm, I'm pretty, uh, I guess, I'm pretty fired up about the whole topic in general. I think it's hilarious. I love when bullies get humbled. And that's exactly what I saw in the video. And then you have people trying to defend the guy who gets his ass kicked, who then goes on to sue him, which is later on. Again, that's not in the video. Yeah, the guy who gets his ass kicked goes and sues after he starts a fight. And you can tell that they had started the fight because the dude already had a bloody nose when the video started. Jean Jack, the guy in the jean jacket, was who I assume is the one who punched him, and then other people broke it up. That's when the football player, the everyone wants to call him a receiver, but let's get facts straight. He has zero catches on his career. He holds kicks. He's a kick holder. No, no, no disrespect to that. Hats off to you. He was an award-winning kick holder. But let's not go around calling receiver or kick holders receivers. He's not a receiver. He is a kick holder, placeholder, whatever you would like to call him. That's what he was. So placeholder man here, then that by the words of his lawyer, was trying to de-escalate the situation by telling him to get the fuck out after he just got cheap-shotted by the guy in the jean jacket or punched and wasn't allowed to retaliate before people broke it up. Not sure exactly what happened, obviously, as it was off video, but something happened to give him a bloody nose in which he wasn't able to retaliate before people spread it out and then dumbass comes in to, again, de-escalate by telling him to get the fuck out and saying, what you gonna do? So at this point, then Jean Jacket again, who's gets done checking himself out in the mirror and says, look at me, look at me. You didn't do shit to me, which is, again, how you can infer that they were the ones who got to the fight. The guy with the bloody nose and then the guy in the Jean Jacket. Look at me. I'm, I'm spotless. You have a bloody nose. So you can do you can infer from there. And then so Jean Jacket then pushes him again after that, at which point. He looks at the guy with the bloody nose, looks over to his side. He looks at his brother. This is when they decide to fight. Looks over at his brother. He says, which one do you want? You can read his lips. Which one do you want? Smirks at him. Takes the guy in front of him. Punches are thrown. So I think it's, I, I just think it's, I find it hilarious that people try to defend that. Like, just watch the video a little bit and you can piece together the pieces of what happened. He got cheap shotted. That now the two guys that beat the fuck out of them aren't affiliated with any organizations outside of like they're they're not with Oklahoma's wrestling team. They're with no wrestling teams. They've wrestled since they were young and they've been cage fighters and like trained MMA fighters since 
They were 12 or something like that, I believe it said. Now, the other guy isn't completely helpless either. The dude who was de-escalating the situation was a two-time state contender wrestler. Comes in, tries to bully two guys smaller than them. Let's get that clear, too. Come in and try to bully two guys smaller than them. Cheap shot them. Try to bully them out of there. At that point, what are you supposed to do as a man? Like, are you supposed to tuck your I, – I don't – their lawyer's got some work cut out for him is all I've got to say because – if your best option is he was de-escalating the situation, no, dude. You tried to bully someone smaller than you, and you got your ass fucking rocked. Like, that's the world. You can't sue your way out of that. Nope. So, I, I mean, you could call it insider information, but I just wanted to break it down a little more for the fan who just want to watch the video and just make a quick snap judgment. Oh, he was, hit, he was hitting him after he was already down. He shouldn't have done that. He should have just walked away. No. You get cold, you get cheap shotted. As a man, you stand up for yourself. You're gonna get you stand there, get bullied, you're gonna get pushed in the chest, you're gonna get hit, you're gonna get told to get the fuck out. You're not gonna turn and defend yourself. And that's what happened. They de- they fucking defended themselves and they beat the fuck out of the bullies. The bullies got humbled. Now bully wants to go to his fucking daddy. Oh, I need a lawyer. He beat he beat my ass. Nope, it's not gonna work. Especially if your lawyer's best fucking option is he was de-escalating the situation. There's video, dumbass! There's fucking video! You weren't de-escalating shit! In no way, shape, or form is get the fuck out of here. What are you gonna do? De-escalating. If it is, then me and you have a different definition of <laughs> That's all I have to say. Get a better lawyer. Spot on. That No, that's great. And like we did talk about it a couple episodes ago and we just didn't have some of the, you know, we, we made some assumptions, but I mean, clearly what you're saying, put it together all. Yeah. Like, like I said, I just, I, I really, really enjoy when bullies get humbled. And that's what I saw the first time I watched the video. And then I, so upon seeing that, you know, I, I did a little, I did a little for, further digging, yep. did a little more research, which is how I found out that this dude was a state competitor in wrestling he was no no scrub and again clearly out of he he didn't wrestle any dudes at that weight limit that he was fucking bullying that dude that he was much bigger he was straight up and the fact that people want to defend bullying it's fucking comical (coughs) like this this is the this is the typical athlete not doing anything a place kicker or a fucking placeholder i can do that moron you're not doing anything special. God damn. Don't call yourself a receiver. You think you're this big, tough, hot shit because you wear a football jersey. No, he got humbled. It's a fucking, it's something he's going to have to learn in the real world at one point or another. Like the world's a better place now that he got humbled. I bet you he won't do that again. I guarantee yep. he won't do that again. You learn. And there's too many people who think they're way too special because they put on a jersey or they, they're part of this or part of that. It's like, no, you still can't treat people like that. You can't fucking, you can't just get up in someone's face and tell them to get the hell out of here. Like there's no man, there should be no man that is ever just going to fucking cower down and walk away from that. I mean, I, I'm, I'm a very small dude, but you tell me to get the fuck out. What the fuck are you going to do? I'm going to, I'm going to get in your face too. I might throw some punches too. Like, and those dudes are MMA fighters. Of course they're going to throw punches. What the fuck are you going to do? What do you think they're going to do? They've been training to do since they were 12. 
Don't poke the bear, moron. Oh, they, they were really barking up the wrong tree there. Yeah. And then to turn and sue them, it's like, bro, just when, when are you going to learn? Take your L. Seriously. Take your L. Now they're going to get embarrassed in court. Like, <laughs> should get embarrassed in court. Yeah. That's the, that's the only thing. That you never know how things are going to go once it gets to the freaking court system. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That is a whole nother beef. I could go on for days about the court system, yeah. court system favoring the rich, but I, I'm not going to get off on that tangent. I'm going to cut myself off. This is about <laughs> like a different podcast. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Just random tangents. And then we just pick a couple tangents. Okay. Anyway, we're getting on a tangent right there. So JT, I've heard you've had some crazy experience betting UFC. Some would say crazy bad, but others could say crazy good. I mean, it's crazy as it yeah. is. You could just that. tell the fans, tell the people, what is your experience with betting UFC? So, like, I got into UFC, like, by myself. Like, I didn't have any friends that related to me. I just, like, kind of fell in love with it. And so, like, I started off gambling, like, you know, I would just, I would just gamble at UFC. And, like, the thing you got to understand about UFC is, it's the only like it's it's the one place where you can place a lot of bets and be right on most of them and end up losing on almost all of those ones because it's just it, it takes one punch and you're out like it just it just it just sucks man like it takes one punch and the guy that's winning the entire fight's out it just blows but yeah i i went on a streak when i just started betting ufc it was roughly like 0 and 23, I do believe. But that's what it ended up being. Um, it, it was a tough time looking back. It was a really dark time. I don't know what was going on. I feel like I didn't like money at the time. But uh, yeah, no, I spent a lot of time just really losing a lot of UFC bets. And I don't know why I kept on doing it, but eventually I went fucking 1 and 23, and it was worth it. And since then, I've been probably below 500, but it's a fucking blast, and I love it. Uh, like, you're going to have moments in UFC betting where, like, you bet on a guy like Ben Askren, who's a minus 230 favorite. Like, he's a, he's a huge favorite. He's supposed to beat Jorge Masvidal. He's supposed to beat this dude. Like, it's, it's not supposed to be super close, really. Like, it's supposed to be a ground, like, just get dominated. Then he catches a flying knee in the first five seconds and you lose a lot of money. Like, it's just, it sucks. But sometimes you watch Koei Garbrandt knock out a Sun Sao, just fucking murk him out of nowhere at the end of the second round. And another bet cashes, and it's just amazing. Like, it's... it's UFC is unique, and it's the only sport where you can finish it with one. Literally one. Yeah, it takes one punch. Now you can in other sports, you can win a baseball game one zero, but the other team has their chance to answer that. They have nine innings to answer that one. In UFC, if you get knocked out by that one, you're not standing up to answer. No, you get it. It's you have you get one mistake against really good guys. You make one mistake, you go to sleep. It's over. So you could be a. I've watched. I bet against freaking. I've lost minus 550 favorites. I've lost minus 400 plus favorites. Like in UFC, it's crazy. We, there was just one the other day, the Derek Lewis beating, um, what's his name? Curtis Blades. Yep. Was minus 450 or something. It was the 
heavy is the biggest main event up favorite upset or underdog upset since 2010 or something like that yeah i think i think, I think it's ever oh it might have been ever that could be it might have yeah, been ever that very well could be like that and that just goes to show that just furthers the point like ufc is just that's what i love about the sport it's so unique every other sport you you know you have your time limit you have your your set opportunity football whatever it is you have this set amount of time to score more points than, than them. Every sport you have, baseball, basketball, you all you always have this set amount of time. You have to play that time. UFC, they set out 25 minutes for you, but boy, if you make a mistake in fucking second five, doesn't matter. You don't get the rest of that. You don't get the rest of that 24 minutes. It's over. It's over right there. You get five seconds. You make a mistake in five seconds. That's all you get. We're done. And so that's that's what makes it so unique and, in and, my opinion, even more challenging to bet, but also more fun to bet because it gives you that opportunity to bet the underdogs. And you, that's that's the thing. You always have that puncher's chance, no matter how the fight is going. You always yeah. have a puncher's chance in bet. Yep, yep. And like, just to parlay on that, one more thing. Like you, the cool thing about UFC betting though is you got to you get to see dudes become gods where it's like these dudes cannot fucking lose like no way they can fucking lose and then all of a sudden like all of a sudden they're just super humbled and they're just no longer these guys you think they are and like things get really sketchy and if you can catch it at the right time you can make a dick load of fucking money i like the sound of that and with that with that Derek lewis fight if i remember right blades was winning was dominating the entire fight and just that, like you said, that one punch, and that's that's the crazy thing is, in most games, if, if you're dominating almost the entire game, it's hard unless you sub in a Coach Jacobson, you and I, Texas A&M kind of situation. Unless you sub yeah. that type of possibility of blowing yeah. it in, yeah. like you just can't, yeah. you just can't walk it in. But only Ben Jacobson can pull it off. <laughs> yeah, well, that's depending the thing. Up. That's not even the worst one of. No depending on how you put it, worst, best. That's not even the craziest one of Derek Lewis's career. This was kind of in the prime of JT's I didn't want to talk about it. betting streak. I didn't want to talk about, <laughs> I didn't talk about it because I didn't bet it with him. In fact, I had I had Mr. Lewis in this bet. So I love this story while he hates it. Derek Lewis versus Alexander Volkov. Five-round fight, 24 minutes and 30 seconds of Volkov just beating the fuck out of Derek Lewis, the one of the biggest men in the UFC. I mean, he was curled over in the corner. He was all but done. He had a broken orbital. Like, he had no interest in fighting. Just completely out. He was hunkered over. Just Joe Rogan was calling for it to be called. Everyone was calling for it to be over. Boy, Derek Lewis weathered the storm somehow. It's what seems like he didn't throw a punch the entire fight until that last 30 seconds. And he just uncorks the fucking Hulk and just one big old swing. Boom. Volkov catches him, goes down immediately. Boom, boom, boom. Three hammer fist. Fight over. Derek Lewis wins. Jacob loses. Volkov loses. Alex wins. It was the craziest shit ever. Like, it was essentially, like, you know the Patriots coming back? Fucking made to three in the Super Bowl. It was coming back. 35-0 with less than two minutes to play in the Super Bowl. That's the equivalent. It was the craziest shit ever. And unfortunately for dumbass, he was on the wrong end. 
but I was on the right end, so it was fucking awesome. Let me put, let me put the cap on this. That was for a parlay in which I won every other single bet. Mm. That was the one I lost in the parlay. He should have won that fight. That, that, he should have won that fight. Alexander Volkov is a better fighter. For sure. For sure. Oh, he was absolutely. But, but he just fucking lost, and there's nothing I can do about it, and I will never get that money back. So, and then R. that R. same R. night, <laughs> R. but whatever. R.I.P. Alrighty. So as Jacob has kind of explained, betting is random, unpredictable, and literally anything could happen. So let's get, let's dive into this card. Let's see what you guys know. Uh, so our first matchup, and this is we're gonna start with the early prelims, is a flyweight between Tim Elliott, who's 17, 11, and one, and Jordan Espinoza at 15 and eight. Jordan is minus 125, and Tim Elliott is minus 105. Boys, thoughts? I've only heard of Tim Elliott, never heard of Jordan Espinoza. Ergo, if Tim Elliott's Right now, I see him on mine at plus 102, so it might be different on yours or whatever. But if you can get him at plus money, I take Tim Elliott. I really know nothing about Jordan Espinoza. I will kind of uh, piggyback off that and I basically say the same thing. I, I know Tim Elliott. I've watched, I think, two, three of his fights. Both of these guys are middle of the Packers, you know, rough records. I think one has 11 losses. One is like, one's like 21 and 11. The other one's like 15 and eight. They both win about two and then lose the next one. So they're both realistically gatekeeper type guys. Neither of them really has a chance for the title. It's probably a coin flip when you come down to it. I know Tim Elliott's a big brawler type guy. And so I expect it to be a little sloppy, but in terms of who comes out on top or any value here, I really got nothing because I don't, I know nothing about Jordan Espinosa. Yeah. I know none of the guys he's ever faced. I have seen zero of his fights. All I know is what I've seen of Tim Elliott and I've watched his wins. And so I, I think, I think better of him than the other guy, obviously I've, I've seen him when he's doing well. So I would ride with Tim Elliott, but that's strictly based off what I don't know about Espinosa. Elliott's not anything special either. Yep. All righty, let's transition to the next one. A light heavyweight bout between Kennedy ne- Nezchuku, Chukawu, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay. And Carlos Olberg. Um, yep. Nezchuku, seven and one, and he's currently, what I'm seeing, a plus 200, whereas Carlos Olberg, Olberg is five and oh, and minus 250. So yeah. that's great disparity there for guys who are basically undefeated. Thoughts? So what I got here, not a lot, both super young, super raw guys. The only thing I know is I know of Carlos Olberg because he, I, I guess it hasn't been stated yet, but my guy is uh, Israel Adesanya, huge Adesanya fan. Olberg trains with him. They train in the same camp. So Olberg is Adesanya's sparring partner a lot of the time. And so I, I do know a little bit about him. This will be his UFC debut, I believe. Ooh. He's um, 8-0, I think is. No, 5-0 outside of the UFC and other promotions. I, I want to say he was Dana White Contender Series. Yeah, yeah, I think he was Dan, not yeah. to do that. Yeah, series. I think he was Dana White Contender Series is where he came from. And he's 
very similar to all of those, uh, the city kickboxing, which is where Adesanya trains. He's very similar fighting style, all of those. He's going to kind of stand on very technical, going to stand very clean striking, stand on the outside, going to pick you apart. And I've only seen one of this, uh, the Kennedy, I'm not even going to pretend to say his last name. I'm going to refer to him as Kennedy because that last name's a fucking nightmare. So I'm going to refer to him as Kennedy. I've watched one fight and he's a big boy. Big boy. He's definitely going to have the size advantage. That's where his positives start and end. He is a very sloppy striker. He's not quick. He's not athletic. The only thing with him is he has a, he's got a nice, you can't really call it a flying knee because he doesn't leave the ground, but with his size disparity and his legs are so long, he's able to get that knee kind of up there and through the middle where he can catch guys. And that's, he relies heavily on that. Just from the, I guess, from the one I watched. Again, it might have been an outlier fight. It was his last, his most recent fight is the only one I watched on him, but he he doesn't look clean. I, th- I think Olberg, I think Olberg picks him apart for sure. I don't know if he knocks him out for sure, but I, I think he went, he'll knock him out or decision. I, th- I think Kennedy's just too sloppy. I think Olberg's a lot cleaner. I think a lot of Kennedy's hype is strictly based on his size and facing inferior fighters to this point. But I, as you see, like both of them have solid records. The, this is the first time he's facing a dude with a as clean a record as him. So I, I, I would go Olberg in that one personally. Yeah, uh, I I go Olberg too. Um, obviously, all the things Alex all the things Alex just said. Um, I think in the one I watched, we watched the same one together. Was uh, Olberg fires the leg kick a lot. And I think I think Kennedy's not going to be able to move a lot after that first round, and I don't think it's going to go past two. I think there, I don't think there's really any way it's going to go past two at all. Um, if you want to put a bet on that anywhere, like uh, finishing early, I think that'd be a good bet to place. Uh, yeah, that actually that is a good point that I forgot to bring up about the leg kicks is that Kennedy has a very open karate type stance, and the guy he faced last time threw a lot of leg kicks at him. And he didn't check him well. He didn't defend him well at all. He's very heavy on the front foot. And if there's one thing about city kickboxing that they, all of their fighters do, it is heavy on the front kicks. I mean, Adesanya does it heavy. Volkanovski does it even heavier than Adesanya. And Olberg did it pretty heavy in a couple fights of his that we watched. So I think that that will be a big factor in the fight as well. I just, and as soon as you take away that, that front leg, you put all the weight on, you can't, you have no power. All that big size and strength, it's worthless. Worthless. You can't put weight on that front leg. And on top of that, Olberg is hands down the most attractive fighter on the entire card. So Olberg is definitely someone, if, you don't, if you're not willing to risk the minus 250, I think is what he's at, Juice, you would definitely put him in a parlay, though, is what, yeah, I, yeah, is what I'm getting right. vibes. Or if you want to do that, finish it in yeah. two rounds, that's kind of, but minus yeah, 250 yeah. is definitely a parlay. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's a good parlay pattern. Yep, I like that. Prelims, prelims, prelims parlay. I do that. I put Yep. Okay. I like that. All right. So in the next a welterweight bout, we have Sean Brady, who is 13 and 0 at minus 200 versus Jake Matthews, who's 17 and 4 at plus 165. What do we got? What are our thoughts on this? So um, from what I've seen from the Sean Brady, he's he's really good on the ground, which is kind of seems to be Jake Matthews' strength. But on the feet, I feel like he has a real advantage. He's really, really quick up top. Um, I feel like he's really going to wear down Jake Matthews throughout the fight, which is like his striking is he's just really quick, really athletic and young. Uh, and then on the ground, he's just a phenom. Like he's just going for chokes. He's, I can see this being finished pretty, 
Like, if it's going to be a finish, I'd see him almost submitting and beating his ass on the feet and then going to the ground and just being absolute mauling. Um, but yeah, I definitely have Sean Brady in this one. I think he's just a, a better fighter overall. Yeah, I would, uh, I'm kind of on the same boat. Unfortunately, me and, uh, me and Jacob tend to agree on a lot of the picks tonight. That's, I say unfortunately for two reasons. One, it'd create for a much better conversation if we disagreed. Two, I don't like to agree with him because he sucks at betting UFC sometimes, but, uh, <laughs> That's a fucking kiss of death. <laughs> I do agree with him on this one. I think Sean Brady's a better fighter. I think Jake Matthews is – he's kind of a guy that Dana decided was a big name and someone he was going to try to sugarcoat on the way up. So what I'm trying to say is he's faced no one. He's faced a bunch of nobodies to create that nice record. He thought he was going to be something that he's not. And, like, his last fight, for example, was against Diego Sanchez, who won the Ultimate Fighter 1. Very first Ultimate Fighter ever. He's still fighting, roughly 44 years old. Fought him last year. That is shit. And they went to decision. <laughs> Before that, like all of his all of his wins are they're against guys I've never heard of in my life. Whereas this other guy, he's some random white dude that found out he's good at UFC. They weren't creating any freaking. He doesn't look like he should be any stud. He doesn't. He's gonna when they walk into the cage, you're not gonna think this guy should be the better fighter. Big Matthew's gonna look more cut. He's gonna look more muscular. He's gonna look bigger and stronger. And then this guy who's all tatted up and been through some shit. You can just see it in his eyes. He's been through some things. <laughs> this man's he's just a much cleaner fighter. I think Jake Matthews' biggest strength is his best strength. And everywhere else, I think he's better than Matthews as well. I think he's gotten to where he is by hard work and beating guys he probably shouldn't have or they didn't think he should. And Jake Matthews, I think, has gotten to the spot due to a sugar-coated schedule, you could say. I like it. I like it. So to wrap up the early prelims, we have from you guys your picks. Tim Elliott as a value pick at plus money. You guys see it as kind of a 50-50 contest. So Tim Elliott is value. And then two parlay patters, or whatever you want to call them, adders, sure. Adam in your parlay, would be Carlos Olberg and Sean Brady. And is that all yep. correct? All right. All right. Sure. So now to go to the prelims here. The first one, we have a flyweight bout between Jurio, I don't know, Bonterran, 16 and 2. Uh, he's currently plus 110. And then K. Kara France, 21 and 9 at minus, one, minus 140. That's what I'm seeing. Um, yeah, what are you guys' thoughts? Yeah, um, again, this is, this is another one I don't know a whole lot about. I'm personally going to stay away from this one because my, my bias gets me. All I know is Kai Kara France. It's another one that trains with Adesanya and trains with their team. I, yeah, I've seen a couple of, I think I've seen two of his fights. I've never seen Rod- Rodrigo Bontorin, sorry. Never seen him fight. I've, he's got a good record, but I've, I don't know a single person that on his record. I've never heard of a single one of their names. So yeah, I, a real crapshoot. I'd take Kai Car France strictly off my bias, strictly off because I know a little about him. But yeah, I really got nothing. They're pretty, pretty similar in size, pretty equal in reach. Yeah, I just don't know enough about Bontorin to make any, any claims on this one. All right, Jacob. <clears throat> Yeah, I'm kind of the same way. I'm winning uh, Kai. Uh, I think, yeah, basically the same thing. Like, with Kai being a uh, minus 141, I pick him to win for sure. He's kind of on the rise. He's kind of looking on right now. So I definitely pick him to win. But with him being minus 40, 141, I wouldn't put any real money on or anything like that. He's so young and undeveloped. So, like, or kind of new to the game. Um, so we'll, we'll figure that out with that. But, yeah, no, I wouldn't put him in any parlays or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess just quickly look, looking here through that Rodrigo's records or his not his records but who he's faced what pops out to me big is that all his wins are against guys i've never heard of in my life and all of his losses are against guys i have so anytime he's faced that top tier you know as soon as as soon as he picks that top tier it looks like he loses so it kind of to me it looks like we found his you know he has got a good number of fights in there it's not like he's got a small number of fights we found he's got 16 wins against those bottom tiers and against those top tier two he's got two losses he's only two so it's and kai car france is definitely in that top tier he's in the top 10 of the flyweight division like He's faced, he's faced guys. That's why his record is as shoddy as it is. I, I just I think he's the cleaner, better fighter, and I think Vegas sees that as well. That's why he's a slight favorite, even though he has the worst record. 
Mm-hmm. And at minus 140, then in UFC, that's almost nothing. So that's yeah, pretty good value sure. right there. Essentially, yeah. Yep. Minus 140 in UFC is essentially a coin flip. Yep. All right. So the next yep. flyweight match, we have Joseph Benavidez at 28 and 7. Um, I think I have him at plus 105. And then, oh, plus 110 now versus Askar Askarov. I'm assuming he's Russian or Eastern European, being just named the same Russian. name twice. Yep. Yep. That makes sense. 12. And he's 12, 0 and 1 at minus 140 is looking like. Mm-hmm. All right. So what do we got from you guys? Yes, sir. Yeah, so Benavidez just recently spot for the title not too long ago. So he's definitely one of those higher-up guys, but he's on the back end of his career. So, like, he even admitted in a press conference that he's never going to fight for a title again. So his motivation is definitely in question. Um, I don't know a ton about this. Uh, Askarov. Askarov, yeah, Askarov. But uh, he's he's 12-0-1 coming out of Russia, which is always fucking scary. <laughs> and, he's a, and he's already minus. Like, I just I, – I personally would stay away from this on best because I don't know a ton about him, but Askarov is – Definitely scary coming with that kind of record coming into this and better be just being on the backside of his career after that title loss. Like, it seems like it would be one of those things where it's like a changing of the guard thing where the older guy's going to lose. Makes sense. I, Makes sense. Yeah, I'm, I'm heavy on Askarov. I like Benavidez. I really do. One of my favorite guys I listen to on podcasts, one of my favorite UFC guys is a good friend of his. I really I, I really like Benavidez. I just don't think he's better than Askarov. I think he's – I have a good sense of where he belongs in that, that flyweight division, and he's right. he's right outside the top five, top ten. Again, he's kind of that gatekeeper area where he's – championship's never in his future. Yeah. This Askarov guy, I, I think a championship can be in his future. He's younger, just like he said, he's hungrier, and he, he has faced dogs. His, um, he's, he beat Tim Elliott, who we've already gone over a little bit. Like, yeah. good, yeah. His last fight, he beat Alexandro Pendejo, who uh, – Pen, yeah, Pentejo, Pente, Pentoja or something like that. I don't know. Guy has 22-4. and four. Okay. He has a 22-4 record, so that's a really good win. Before that, beat a guy that was 7-2. Before that, beat a guy that was 37-5. and five. Like, he's been in there with experienced guys. He's been in there with guys with – Way more wins than losses. Like he's he's fought some guys. He's 12-0 and one, and I also tend to stick to a kind of a, a pretty loose rule. But I'd like to not bet against Russian guys. Yep. Yeah. Because they, they, they're, they're, they're built different. They're, they're just yeah, built they're different. Just, they're, just, they're just freaking different, man. And yeah, this Askarov guy is young, hungry, has some good wins, and Benavidez is just I, I know what he is. I, I already know where he's at. I think Askarov Askarov will be the better fighter. It's, it's really a question of whether he's a better fighter yet. Yep. That's really the only question to take. Mm-hmm. So I, I personally think he is a better fighter already. I think he'll win the fight pretty handily, quite frankly. But uh, yeah, I guess th- th- those are my thoughts on it. Yeah, no, good, good thoughts. It sounds like you got potential versus experience, and obviously, yeah. like Jacob yeah. said, come yeah. I think Jacob had a good point with like the changing of the guard, and I think yep. it's for sure a bit of a changing of the guard there, where I think the young Askarov will take over Benavidez. And again, yeah. only at minus one forty. Because yeah, again, I think Benavidez is just a gatekeeper. He's a are you are you ready for this level of fighters? And I think Askarov is ready for those level of guys. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, minus 140 definitely seems like another value pick. Um, so this this prelims card is looking like the first two are value picks for sure. Um, we got a couple Bantamweight ones we want to go through here. So we have Song Yadong. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Nailed it. Uh, what can I say? I once watched a film. Um, so 16, 4, and 1, and it looks like he is minus 150 versus Kyler Phillips, who's 8 and 1, but he is plus 120. Thoughts on this one? Do you want to go on this one? Okay. Um, and this one I got Song Yadong. I, uh, I haven't – I do, I do know about Song Yudong a little bit. I've watched, I think, probably two or three of his fights. He's just going to try to keep himself from giggling every time I say Yudong. Kyler Phillips, I don't know a whole lot about of. First UFC fight. Oh, this is his first? Okay, yep, this is his first UFC fight, Jacob says. And got a good record, but that makes sense why I noticed no one on his on his record. I, he's faced a bunch of nobodies. Got an 8-1, where Song Yudong has faced some guys. He's been in there with some tough dudes. He's lost, he's lost some of them, but more often than not, and especially recently, he's been, he's been winning. He just beat Marlon Chido Vera his last time out. Oh, excuse me. Who is definitely on the rise? Chico Vera himself just beat Sean O'Malley, which is one of the hottest prospects in featherweight. And Song Yudong knocked him out the time before. Had a draw with Cody Stamen, who's 19 and three and on the rise. Before that, beat 
Alejandro Perez, who's 22 and eight. Like he's just, he's six, he has a lot more fights, a lot more experience. He's been in the UFC for a while. He's been in these battles. He's tested. I just, I get it's again, here I'm banking on the guy that I've seen and I've witnessed and I've watched with my own eyes as a part of the, the complete question mark the UFC debut. He's got a nice record. I, I think we watched one fight of his, nothing. He didn't look like anything spectacular. He just looked like a better fighter at a very low level. Yep. And now he's not at a low level anymore. He's in there with Sonny Dong. who's pretty high level in the featherweight. Like he's top 10 for sure. And so I think, I think, I think, I think that we'll saying there are levels to this shit. I think that's where this is going to come through. They, Phillips might have a better record eight and one over 16 and four, but there are levels to this. This is the UFC now. It's next level. And like, I, I like to look at like who people train with a lot sometimes. And I know Sonny Dong's out of uh, like Denver with uh, Cody Garbrandt. He was like a high school band of weight. And I know he trains with him a lot. He trains with Raya Faber a lot. Like, and I know they learn, they learn from Song Yidong. Like they taught, they like, Song Yidong is like taught them shit. Um, so like, I, I think Song Yidong is a really, really good fighter. I think I give, yeah, Song Yidong definitely give him the advantage in this one for sure. Uh, yeah, I think I've nailed on that one. All right, this next one is a really interesting bantamweight. I don't know a little, but the name Dominic Cruz is very familiar to me. And he is 22 and three fighting in this fight. I think he's plus 110. Yep. And he's facing Casey Kenny. That's an interesting name, but Casey Kenny, who's 16, two and one and is minus 140. So is, has Dominic Cruz been around a while, or am I just making this up, or what, what, what's going on here? No, yeah. Dominic, Dominic Cruz is arguably the greatest bantamweight of all time. So no, he, right, bantamweight? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, he's he, the underdog in this fight. Yeah. yeah, and he just he just recently fought for a title. Uh, his last fight. His last fight, he fought for a title against Henry Cejudo. In fact, the last three fights have been for the title. Yeah, like I like honestly, I, like I look at this like my favorite bet of the entire card because Dominic looked great in his last fight. I watched a lot of Casey Kenny. And he doesn't look great anywhere, and like Dominic's footwork is some of the best in the division, even if it's at him at forty-two. His footwork is so much better than Casey Kenny's. And I'm pretty sure I believe Dominic is plus money. Yep. Yeah, he's, he's plus money. And I want to cut in real quick. Dominic seems like he's 42 because he's been around that fucking long. He's really only 36. Yeah. So he's, he's, he's arguably in the prime of fighting. Right? Fight, fighting prime is a lot later than normal primes. It's a lot closer to 32 to 36 range. So he's probably at the end of it, but he's still an all right round for fighting terms. He's just been doing it so goddamn long at the highest fucking level that it seems like he's 40 fucking five years old. Yeah. He, he's, really, he's still like, he, he got his injuries and everything, but like, he's one of the best animates of all fucking time. Like, not really arguable. Like, he's one of the best, hands down. He can't top three, no doubt. Top three, no there, doubt. There's no arguments. Top three. And he just came off a title fight. And he's facing this guy who's no, like, crazy phenom or anything like that. Like, he's nobody that, like, like, and Dominic Cruz, like, like he, he comes from wrestling, too. Like, there's no grappling worries at all with him. Like, his brother is, like, a national champion. Like, I believe a national champion. Yeah. Like, like he's an incredible grappler. So, like, there's, I really see nowhere where Kenny, Kennedy, or Kenny, or Kennedy is, Kenny. Be, Kenny is better at all in, the, like, the entire fight. I, this one, I really don't understand the odds at all. After watching this guy, I really don't understand them at all. They don't make any sense. It's like a massive hole in it. Like, I, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll run from there. And yeah, it's, it's definitely one of those situations where it's like, if you're if you're looking at like a game or a line for NBA or NFL and you look at a line, you're just like, oh, that's absurd. Starting quarterback must be out or something. Yep. Start, like, I look at the fucking Suns Cavaliers fucking over under and it's like, oh, is Devin Booker injured? There's no way that's going to be that low. That's the only possibility. And that like that's how I feel when I look at this. They must know something that I don't. Now I get this guy's record is good. And I, I can't say he's faced nobodies. Like he's faced some all right guys. He's faced some middle of the packs, and he's beat them. He, he beats all of them, all, all the middle of the packs. But like this is Dominic Cruz. This guy has he hasn't faced he hasn't fought in a non-title fight in over seven years. Wow. All of they've all been title fights. He, I mean they're all off huge lay. Like his last one was off a two-year layoff, and he went what three four rounds with Cejudo, who's arguably the greatest bantamweight of all time. Arguably early stoppage too. Arguably early stoppage. Like he, yeah he wasn't out. He was still fighting. He was still going. Like it, it, it was a close fight. He won. Yeah I think he won the first round. Second, I might be off on that. It's been a while since I watched that one, but like, I, I know it was a competitive fight. Just off the top of my head, it was a very competitive fight. He put up a good, he put up a good one. Before that, he lost the title to Cody Garbrandt. Title fight, lost it. Right? That, that happens. You face the number one dude in the division, lost. Before that, it was a title fight. He had won. Before that, it was a title fight. He had won. Like the dudes faced the top of the top, and now we're jumping this Casey Kenny dude, who again, it, like, he's not a top prospect. I'd never heard of the dude, 
until Dominic decided to fight him. So then I did a little, little research into him. And I think I made it through like one and a half of his fights before I'm just like, I, I don't, I don't see it. I don't, I don't, I, don't, I, don't yeah. I got nothing. Like he's all right. He's for sure above average. Like there's a reason he has 16 wins and two losses. Like he's been more talented than the guys he's fighting than the guys he's fought. Sorry, <laughs> fighted. <laughs> yeah, that's English, right? Yep. But definitely more talented than, than the guys he has currently fought, but no one he's fought is anywhere near Dominic Cruz. Nowhere near Dominic Cruz. Like, again, this dude is on like the Mount Rushmore of Bantamweights and this, they're, they're just throwing him into the fire. And I, it, it just re- it really feels like they know something that I don't. It's one of those ones. Yeah. It really feels like Vegas knows something that I don't, but I'm still going to put money on Dominic Cruz and I'm going to just think Vegas is that dumb. Toss it up and let's pray, baby. <laughs> All right. So, Kyle, yeah. we haven't heard from you in a while. We're going to get you involved here because we have the main card coming up. Uh, we're going to do this main card kind of opposite of how we're going to do the pick So you guys are going to kind of lead the discussion. I think me and Kyle will come in as our guest pickers um, for this card. Uh, so I'll kind of announce the fight for you. You guys give us your breakdown. Give us who you're taking in this fight. And then me and Kyle will give our picks. If we want to give reasoning, we can. Uh, but we just don't know as much. So the first matchup of the main card is a light heavyweight bout between Thiago, Thiago Santos. And Alexander Rockick, Rajik, I, I honestly don't know. But Santos is currently plus 125. Alexander is minus 155. Uh, you guys' thoughts to start it off. I am personally, it's unfortunate because I thought when I was first making this pick, back when you first told us we'd be doing this card, I thought Rockich would be the underdog. But I got Rockich in this one. I think Santos, I think this is another term of, or another changing of the guard a little bit. I think Rockich is on the upward trend, where I think Tiago is plateaued at best, if not going downhill. I think Tiago is extremely overhyped because of his close fight with John Jones. I think that happens a lot in life. It's, it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's looked at very similar, like the same way Anthony Smith is, Dominic Reyes. Like we see how all those guys who have these close fights with John Jones and how they perform after that. And they're not anything special. Tiago has, before John Jones, he beat nobodies. He beat, he beat a couple nobodies. And then he fought John Jones. John Jones beat him at his own game. And then after that, he lost to a 42, 42-year-old Glover Teixeira. And he just hasn't showed me anything that he's adding to his game. He's not getting any better. And he is 37, 38 years old, whereas Rockich is 28. He's facing these same dogs and beating these same wolves that Tiago is such this big bad. You know, everyone thinks about Tiago as this big, scary dude because he punches really hard. And he's got this big old fucking sledgehammer tattoo on his chest. He's a really scary, intimidating looking guy. But when you break it down to their actual fighting abilities, I don't think Tiago is as good as Rockich. I think Tiago, like I said, I think Tiago at 37, he's not getting better anymore. 37, at 30, I think he's 37 or 38. It might even be 38. And he's been doing it for a long time in the heaviest division, like one of the heaviest divisions, the heaviest. He's taking a lot of damage. He's a striker. He's not a ground and pound guy. Like he's taking a lot of damage over this. I, I just don't see him getting better at this point. I haven't seen him getting better for a long time. So I'm, I really stick to this. He's plateauing or going down. And I think Rockich is only going up. So again, it's another one of those. Rockich will be better. It's a matter of whether he's better right now. And I personally think he is, but that's, it's definitely in question. I could be wrong, but I think Rockich is a better fighter in this fight. And I'm taking him on that one. JT? Yeah, no, no, I'm in the same boat. I think uh, Tiago. He's a big hitter guy. He's on his way down. Uh, what's it called? Uh, he just, yeah, no, he just, he's, he's a technical striker who relies on power, who's getting older and he's past his prime clearly. So he's just got beat by 42 year old Glover Dexterra, like Alex said. So yeah, no, he's, he just doesn't have it anymore. And Rakich is and another one of those Russian Eastern European savages is up on the rise. It's hard to bring, bring those guys down, man. Yep. I think your logic's really good. And I'm always going with the young guy. So I'm gonna keep it short and sweet. I'm going rocket, rocket. How's that? I say rocket, Rakich. Rochet's something like that. Rochet, you know? Yeah, I'm going Eastern European. That's what I'm going with. On Saturday, we'll figure it out. We'll be like, oh, <laughs> nice. Yeah. yeah, but I'm going that guy. Kyle, <laughs> wrap it up. Oh, what? Sorry. No, I was just saying, no one knows how to say any of their names. Everyone still says Adesanya's name wrong. Even me. Like, his name is like Adesanya. You're supposed to fucking emphasize that. Oh. He says it himself. Ari Hawani's the other only one that I've ever heard call it correct. And, like, he's one of the biggest names in the game. In the media, me, like, biggest massive fan, like, everyone. We still just say whatever's comfortable for us. <laughs> 
All right. Yeah. Names are hard. I've always thought that. Yeah. Names are really fun hard, I guess. All right, Kyle, bring it home. All of us are going with the Rockets guy, the youngin. Who you got? <laughs> Well, first of all, I've really enjoyed – I didn't mind not talking because I really enjoyed these guys' kind of breakdowns of the card. I've, I've enjoyed that so far. Now, fellas, I need you to take what I'm going to say worth a grain of salt, knowing the fact that I know very minimal about UFC. I've heard of Tiago Santos, and I've, yeah. seen, and I've seen him fight. And, yeah, he, he lost to Glover Teixeira. I did see that. And he, before that, he hadn't lost since John Jay. So I'm going to go against you guys, and I'm going to take Tiago Santos in an upset. I, I respect oh. it. I completely respect it. And the beautiful thing about UFC, and especially that matchup, is you always got a puncher's chance. And in that one specifically, you have a much better puncher's chance because Tiago has insane power. And he can absolutely knock the lights out with any one punch. So, yeah, yep. absolutely you could win that bet. At plus money, it could be valuable. We will have to see. We'll have to tune in Saturday. All right. The next battle of the main card is a lightweight fight between Islam. I'm just going to say this. Makachev. Mak what? Makachev. Makachev. I was super close the first time. Sure. <laughs> I just started and then just mumbled a bunch of syllables and it sounded good. But anyway, he's 18 and one. He's minus 330. He's going up against Drew Dober, who's 23 and nine plus 250. Break it down, boys. I think this will be a murder on ESPN plus. Um, like I just don't like Islam Makhachev. Like he he gives Khabib uh, Nurmagomedov like a lot of problems. Like when it comes to grappling, like he's he's super fucking high level. He's he's gonna be one of those guys that's gonna be really really tough to beat. I don't know if he's Khabib level or anything like that. I don't want to say that, but like I think like. He's going to fucking demolish this fucking dude. I don't think it's really going to be close. Also, on top of that, like, his striking is just as good. Like, his, his striking is, like, he's like a beat with really good striking, essentially. Like, he's he's really, really high level with that. Uh, so, I just, like, this should be one of those that, like, if you want to parlay and, like, add a few favorites in there and tag this one in there, because it's not, it's not like a Amanda Nunez where it's minus 1,200 or something like that. I, I, I want to put him in a parlay for sure on Saturday. Like, he's he's really, really good. I think he's going to demolish his Drew Dober. I've seen nothing from Drew Dober. That makes me think he's going to win this fight at all. All right. Al, buddy? Yeah. I, um... It's, it's tough because this is going to go against my conventional wisdom and my typical logic. Drew Dober has fought a lot better names, and he's he's won a good chunk of them. He he wins a lot of fights that he shouldn't, but I'm still going to go with Makachev here, and I do agree. I think it will be pretty lopsided. I think Makachev handles him. I think Dober wins a lot of his fights strictly with heart and with toughness, and he just straight up outworks his guy and wants it more. And this Makachev is just not someone you can do that with. It's, it's Again, it's there are levels to this, and... There is just nowhere in this fight that Dober holds an advantage over Makachev. And he hasn't, Makachev hasn't fought a lot of big names, but he fucking handles and just manhandles, works every single one of his opponents. And so it's like, I can't fault you for your schedule. Like that's, that's someone else doing that for you. That's your, that's your manager. That's Dana White. That's, I don't know who that is. I can't fault you for beating the shit out of the dudes they put in front of you. And that's what he's done. And Drew Dober, he's, like I said, beating a lot of, a lot of guys he probably shouldn't, a lot of guys that he wasn't better than. He wins a lot. I'm a big fan of him. I love watching him fight. He's going to give it his all. I just don't think his all is going to be enough in this one. Yeah, that's the best way I see it. I think Makachev is just a flat-out better fighter in all aspects of it. Mm -hmm. Great breakdown. And, yeah, I'm, I'm riding the Islam parlay train. He's definitely going to be on almost all of my parlays. I think, I think he's a parlay patter for sure. Kyle, what do you got? So when I was reading into this fight, one thing that kind of almost made me go against Makachev was Makachev didn't fight in 2020 because, of like, COVID restrictions, he had an injury. So that was making me question it. But then I found out Drew Dober's from Nebraska. <laughs> so... so that yeah. was an easy, easy choice on my on my end. Uh, Makachev's won six in a row. I think he's going to handle Judo pretty easily. Yep, yep. I would uh, for sure. The Nebraska thing is a complete game changer. Yep. As soon as you find out they're from Nebraska, I can't do it anymore. Yep, that's for <laughs> sure. All right, now let's get into the title bout. So these next three are all for titles. Is that correct, guys? Or yep, for the belt? Yep. Okay, perfect. So the first one, the bantamweight. We have Peter Yan at fifteen and one, and he's minus one twenty versus Aljamain Sterling at nineteen and three, minus one ten. This fight. 
if it's not going to be the Adesanya fight, that's the best fight. This fight looks like it has the potential to be the best fight. I mean, these two guys yeah. are some dudes. Like, they can yeah. do it all. This is going to be a scary – I mean, just just take it away, boys. Uh, this is going to be amazing. 100%. Yeah, no, I'm – I'm like I've said, I'm a huge Adesanya fan, but if it wasn't for that, this would be my favorite fight on the card. This, both stylistically, on mics, off, outside of the octagon, everything, the hype, everything is fantastic about this fight. Now, I personally – I'm taking Aljamain Sterling. I can't stand Peter Yan. Can't fucking stand him. Not for one bit. Now, I try to take that out of it, but it doesn't work enough because I've got against him in every time, and I've lost so far. So take that for what it's worth while you're listening to me break this down. But I think Aljamain Sterling, I called Aljamain Sterling being my champion of the Bantamweight division when, as soon as Cejudo retired. I said he was my true champion. And because, in my opinion, Jan hasn't fought, I know I keep, I keep going back to this as my rationale for everything. Jan has fought no one. When I talk about him giving the cupcake schedule to Jake Matthews, oh boy, has he given a cupcake schedule to Petter Jan. Dude has faced no one. So his two championship fucking fights were against a 40-something Jose Aldo who hasn't been anywhere near the fan favorite Jose Aldo that ran the featherweight division for that long. Because you know what happened? Oh, Usada came into the picture. And, well, Tom Gurry's left hand after Usada. So, <laughs> Usada came in. Nothing against Brazilians or anything like that, but it's just a trend that Brazilians do love to take their PEDs. And so I'm not saying Aldo was for sure on them beforehand, but he has been nowhere near the fighter that he was pre-Usada now that they've come into the picture. Since they've come in, he's like, what, one in four? Yeah, I think maybe, yeah. It's not good. One in four maybe has another straggler fight in there too. Yeah, maybe two and four. He's not, he hasn't been great. And granted, he's been in there with the best of the best. Like, he lost to fucking McGregor, Max Holloway, Petter Jan. But I just, so Jan, Petter Jan beat the brakes off an old, really old Jose Aldo. Oh, who was his other one? Oh, a 42-year-old Uriah Faber who hadn't fought in four years. Had one fight in four years against an up-and-coming guy who was not very good. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. I forgot Ricky Simone fight. So they gave him a little pre-workup. Knocked out Perion, or knocked out Uriah Faber. It took him three, three and a half rounds to do so. And he's supposed to be this super, super impressive striker, super impressive power. It takes him this long to knock out these 42-year-olds. Meanwhile, Sterling over here, who Dana didn't just refuse to give a title shot to. He's won like seven out of his last eight. He lost once to Marlon Mariah, who is, yeah, he's he's probably in the five to ten range. He's not a chance. He shouldn't have lost. It was a fight he shouldn't have lost for sure, but he lost. As we talked about, this is the fight game. Anyone can lose any fucking day. It takes one punch. It takes one night. You're just not there. He lost a fight he shouldn't. And with that, Dana just ran with it. And I don't know if he doesn't like his mouth or what his problem is, but he's just like, I'm not giving Sterling the fight. He gave it to Josie Aldo, coming off a loss over Sterling. He, then he gave it to Marias, who also was coming off, I think he was one and one at the time. He lost his, and he gave it to him over him. And every step of the way, Dana is just like, he, he's avoided giving it to Sterling until Sterling knocked out number two contender right now in court, or not knocked out, choked out number two contender, Corey Sandhagen, in a minute 30. Wow. It was real quick. Made real quick work of a clear top contender. Like, Corey Sandhagen is one of the premier premier athletes in that division. He's young. He's an up-and-comer. He's argue, He'll probably hold the championship at some point, is the way I'll put it. Corey Sandhagen is very impressive, and Sterling mopped the floor with him. He looked like a level above him. And so to me, that's how I look at it, is Sterling's best win is far and away much more impressive than Jan's best win. And I... I I want Sterling to come out of it. I think Sterling will come out of it. I don't see an advantage. The only thing that worries me is Jan fights with a lot of pressure and Sterling needs space. He uses his legs a lot. He's a long fighter. He doesn't have incredible power, but at the same time, I also don't think anyone has been able, anyone that Jan has faced can intimidate him or Jan hasn't respected anyone's jab or anyone's power like Sterling will have. You don't respect a 42 year old's power. You don't, they just don't have the same power that this 28 year old former wrestler, now great striker, like great black belt jujitsu. Like he's got it everywhere. The man doesn't have any, he, he has no flaws. And so I, he just hasn't, I don't think Jan's faced anywhere near this level. And so I think, I think Sterling takes this one. And granted, like I said, bias is definitely playing into that. But I hope, and I think Sterling takes this one. 
All right. Good logic. And I just checked. It is minus 115 for both of them right now. So it's basically a pick them. Is it a three rounder or a five rounder? Five. It is five. Championships are five. Okay. Championship main events are it could yeah. be a really long card because there's three championships. So three, there's three, rounds. three 25 minute round, three 25 minute fight there. Grab so, yeah. a beer and saddle up. But anyway, Jacob, what do you got for this one? Um, yeah, like I was covering a lot of it. It was like really, you know, I hate Peter Young. He's, he's a striker, not really super proven on the ground. Beat one grappler, but his one loss is to a grappler. And that's where Aljamain really has that advantage there. Um, with it being a pick em, I just, I, I love Aljo in this one for sure. If, it's, if they're both at minus 115, for sure, take that. Uh, obviously, though, with that terrible record, and I hate Peter Young, so like, take it for what it is. But, uh, you know, but yeah, no, I just, it's hard for me to bet against Aljo on this one. He's just yep. got, you know, he's, Aljo kind of has that it quality. I don't know why Dana is fighting against him. I think he'd be a great star. I think he'd be a great champion for that division. I think he's another star you can build that division around. He's great on the mic. He's super flashy. He does everything. He's, he's great in striking, great in jujitsu, and great. His fundamentals are his foundation was wrestling, which I didn't even know until I looked more into this. Like, he doesn't use it that much anymore. He usually just wraps people up, chokes them out before I even see his wrestling. But, like, he's super impressive fighter, great on the mic, sets up great promos. Like, I think this would be an easy guy to build around as opposed to this Petter Jan who barely speaks English. But, like, I don't know why they're trying to, and, like, that's, it's not, I'm not saying that's anything worse for him, right? But, like, in terms of building a star in an American sport, yeah, that is a little, that is a problem. Like, I, it'd be a lot easier to build around the guy who can speak the language that we're trying to set the promo for. And, you know, I just, I think, I, I really don't understand why Dana hates on this guy. And that is part of why the reason I cheer for him so hard is because I think Dana's a bit of a douche. And so I, I want him to be wrong. I, I, I love for him to fail. And I would love for him, the guy that he's trying to fuck over, to beat the boss man, if that makes sense. And I think, I, I think he's got the skills and style to make it happen. Yeah, we could go off on a whole nother podcast on how Dana has absolute power. He's like a dictator. It's kind of there's oh, yeah. definitely some. Yeah, some, we could go in depth. About that. Yeah, and then we go off a whole nother thing about refs and how they're really bad at scoring at times. But again, we don't have that much time to get that deep into the weeds because UFC is a complex sport. Um, I just want to make a note: if you are hearing any random, weird, like growlingish noises, uh, the boys at the ranch have what we would call an army of dogs. Uh, what do you got? Three dogs and a kitty. Yeah, I mean, yeah, no, it's it's a full fucking zoo. It's a ranch. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, we got, we got a bunch of animals here. Yep. And they're, they're not easy to keep quiet. So if you are hearing those noises, <laughs> if you are hearing those noises, we're not weird. Um, and our stomachs aren't hungry. It's just dogs. So understand that. <laughs> I'm, I'm still pretty hungry. Yeah. No. All right, Kyle, wrap it up. What do you got for this one? Well, what is your prediction? You didn't say yours yet. Oh, I'm going Sterling all the way. I don't like Peter Yan. Um, I just, I have some like Eastern Europeans are always the villain in every film. So he's just a villain to me. I mean, it's, it's simple. Uh, I have nothing against them as a race or anything. I'm not racist by any means. They're just a villain in every movie. So in my head, when I think Eastern European, I think villain. Uh, it's just that's how it is. So yeah. Plus, I was my Sterling. Sterling is fresh. Like that dude, he, he just looks fresh. Like he's got some swag. Like, he's got some swag. He's got some sauce. Like he's just he's just he's a good dude. I, I want to root for him. What's your dude to cheer for? Yeah, seriously. What's your dude to cheer for? Versus like if I run into Peter Yan in public, we can't have a conversation. What am I supposed to say? How you doing? Do you know, like what? Whereas <laughs> if, I Sterling, if I see Sterling, I'm like, what up, G? You know, we do a little dabbing up with the hands. Be like, nice knockout there. I saw you choke out Yan. He can answer back. What is Jan going to say? I mean, so, yeah. Again, I have no UFC experience betting-wise, so I'm just shooting from the hips. But that's my logic, and it sounds pretty flawless. Do you ever have, like, a conversation with someone, and then you're about to say your opinion, and you just think you're going to be really stupid? <laughs> you're going to go with Jan, and that's okay. <laughs> I'm going to go with Peter Jan here, and the reason I'm going with Jan is because I've seen him fight several times. What I notice is the longer the fights go on, the higher the intensity he brings. So that's why I think he might have a little bit of an edge over Sterling. So I'm, once again, going to go against the grain. I'm going to take Peter Jan. You're all right, man. Don't feel bad about that. Jan, Jan's a super skilled fighter, and we're not giving him yeah, quite yeah. enough credit for what he is because I hate him. I, I like to bring in off outside of the octagon 
tendencies. I like to bring in their personality and all of that into it. And that that's not rotting the fighting. That doesn't matter. Jan could very well win. He's arguably bad for betting. Yeah, but it is what it is. You know that, that that's absolutely fair. But I got a feeling these next two we're going to be uh, fairly unanimous on. I think. Okay. Yeah, I'd say so. I'd say so. Smooth transition, Kyle. So yeah, let's go to the co-main event. It's a woman featherweight. This one seems almost too obvious as to who's winning, but Amanda Nunez, 20 and four at minus 1200. That's right, folks. I said it right. Minus 1200. You would have to bet $1,200 to win $100. Just, just let that settle in. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, this is for people who obviously like a 4% return on your investment each year in a 401k is not all right. Like, you want to spice it up and make like 6% or something like that. Like, it's, it's obviously fucking terrible. Um, yeah, no, like, this will be a real short breakdown. Amanda Nunez is going to knock out Megan Anderson. You know, it's, it's, Pretty much written. Uh, I don't. I don't need to be, or we don't need to be disrespectful to Megan Anderson in any way, shape, or form. Nope. She's an incredible female fighter. She's just one of the best female fighters. The second, the second best at 145 in the world. Yeah. Like she, she's going to beat the brakes off everyone else they put in front of her. Amanda Nunez is just different, man. It's, it's not. It's really not the same. Yeah. No. She's like, like she's just built like a Mack truck. Like, like her, her design was after a refrigerator. Like she's just, she can like it too. Like she's built super square. Fucking knocked out Cyborg who took PEDs at one point, for sure. Like, the closest thing to a man in the women's division as there's ever been was Cyborg, and Nunez knocked her the fuck out. And she, and she, was, she was untouchable. Untouchable. Cyborg was untouchable at the time. Nunez knocked her out. And, like, she's just, she hits different. Her, and, like, it's like it's going to go to the ground and it'd be any better. Black belt on the fucking ground. She's solid as fuck. <laughs> like, there's, there's, nowhere, there's nowhere inside that entire ring that's safe for Megan Anderson on Saturday night, unfortunately. And, yeah. There's, yeah. Just, there's no way to break this down, really, outside of... Nunez just not having the motivation. If Nunez doesn't show up, that's Megan's one way for a victory. But if Nunez just doesn't, it, she's won it, She's been winning too long. She just doesn't care enough anymore, and she it's just not her night. She doesn't show up. That's the only. That's that's all Megan's got. Yep. And again, I say that coming from Megan's the second best 145er in the world. Yep. I, I say that with all the respect possible. She's a great fighter. She's really well versed. She's got good strike. She's super long, super tall. Got good fucking groundwork. Got solid striking. Amanda Nunez is going to beat the brakes off a lot of the guys in the UFC. Like that's just a fact. I would honestly, she's she's a top ten male fucking featherweight fighter. Like she, well, yeah. That's tough. But at the end of the day, Fisco, boom, boom. I mean, it knocks her out. Like it's just the way it's gonna go. Like she's gonna, it, it, she's gonna hit her. It's gonna feel different. She's gonna go limp leg. So uh, yeah, I just think she, there's too much power. Too much. She's cleaner, more powerful. She just has the advantage everywhere. Yep. yep. Nunez sounds like the perfect parlay patter. It's gonna add a little bit, and you know, there's almost no chance. Yeah. Yep, just, just pat it on there. Your anchor bet, if you're going to do like a 12-person one, just your anchor in all of them, where yep. it stays in every single parlay. Like, If she's not in every one of your parlays you make, you're doing something wrong. Because I, yep. I might as well her. It's just a free You can work her on Saturday night and you cry. It's just what it, it is what it is, you know? So, like. <laughs> oh, that would, that would be heartbreaking. But, Kyle, what are, you th- what are your thoughts, buddy? Alex said it perfectly. Nunez is just different. Like, I haven't seen, like, hype from her since, like, Ronda Rousey was fighting and stuff like that. Like, I've watched Nunez fight. She's just different. It's. Yeah, Megan Anderson, second best fighter in the world. I can see it being a first round knockout. Yeah, yeah, yep. perfectly. Like, I, like definitely can see that. I almost expected to be a first round knockout, and if it's not, like, then Amanda, Amanda didn't do her job. Like, she's just so many levels above Megan. Yep. Just so many levels above everyone in female fighting outside of Shevchenko. Yep. Even Shevchenko, she beats twice. Twice. She beats. She beats her twice. She beats her twice. And Shevchenko is clearly the second best female fighter in the world. Anyway, guys, don't care. Yes. So it's just like Megan is second one forty five to beat. I, I really don't know what Nunez is fighting for at this point. I, I really don't. Like, she's just fighting to beat the fuck out of other girls. Yeah. Get paid. I mean. <laughs> Get paid and beat the shit out of people. She, she's just better than everyone. I, it's as simple as it gets. 
All right, this next one, the main event. Oh, man, I know Al is interested because this is his dog fighting. We have a light heavyweight bout for the belt. We have John, John Blanvich. I was trying to say Bland, like he's Bland. I don't know why. But... There's an N in there. It's just silent because they make their own rules over there. Okay, yep, yep, yep. So Blakovich at 27 and 8, he is plus 205. And he is facing Israel, the last style bender. Arizona! Yes, sir. But 28 and 0, minus 255. What do we think, boys? Obviously, you guys know my pick. I'm going out of Sunny all the way. I'm emptying the house. I'm emptying the mansion. I'm sending the boat, yacht, dogs, cats, whatever you have to salvage. Send it all. <laughs> because I promise it's coming back. Adesanya is, he's just better. Again, it's, it's similar to Nunez with a lot better odds. He's just better. The only difference is that Jan's power is insane. He does have that Polish power. He can always knock it out with one punch. He can do that. The thing is, my thing is, you, you have to land for that power to, to matter. You have to touch him for that power to matter. And I don't think he touches Adesanya. He's so quick. His footwork is so clean. He beat the brakes off Dom Reyes, Blakovich did. And boy, I was just, it was tough to watch Dom Reyes in that fight because he just continued to circle right into his power. His footwork was embarrassing. It, it, was, it looked like an ex-football player who had only been fighting and practicing fighting for three years, which is what Dom Reyes is. Adesanya is not that. Adesanya has been training and working the footwork and working fighting. All of that, he's been doing it since he was in diapers. The dude has over 100 career kickboxing fights. He's got the footwork down. He knows, he knows his footwork by, like the back of his hand. So I just don't see – I think Jan is just too slow. I don't think he, I don't think he touches it. I think if he, when he lands, it's going to be as Adesanya's rolling. It's not, it doesn't land clean. It might, he might get clipped and he might get hit. I don't think it, anything lands clean enough to knock him out. And I think one-punch knockout is Jan's only chance of winning this fight. Every other direction it goes, I think Adesanya wins. I, I, he's just, he's, he's, I think he's going to sit on the outside. He's going to pick apart that leg, and then he's going to get more comfortable. He's going to start mixing in some jabs here and there. And to be quite frank with you, I think even if Jan is to get a hold of him and tries to pull some shenanigans, I think Adesanya is long enough and lanky enough that he's been working on that jiu-jitsu. Like, I, I think Adesanya pulls out if Jan tries to take it that route, which I don't even think he's, he can grab a hold of him, quite frankly. I think Adesanya's speed is going to be too much, way too much. That he's not even gonna get close enough. But if he were to try to take it down like that, like I've seen Adesanya in the past couple of fights, he keeps trying to. Every time he gets taken down, he, he's trying to throw something. He he wants to get. He really wants to get a uh, jujitsu or a uh, submission. Sure. To, yeah, submission. To, submission finish. Just to prove to people that he has that in his game because that's his biggest thing. You know, he's a big big kickboxer, big striker, polished striker. He's great, arguably the greatest striker in the world. But does he have that ground game? And so I know he's trying to prove that to everyone. So I think if Jan takes him down, he's gonna be looking for that, similar to how he did in the Gaston fight where he threw up those crazy triangles, threw up those crazy guillotines, trying to. And he, he was close. He's been closing a couple of them. And I can see him looking for it. So I do think even if Jan tries to take it to the ground, I think I've, I'm not too worried about that. Adesanya is super long, super slippery, and he's never been held on the ground. So I just don't see Jan's not the type of wrestler to be able to hold that to the ground. I just, I, any way I look at it, I don't see an angle outside of the one punch that Jan finishes this fight. I, I say send it all on Adesanya. Yeah, I, uh, I uh, obviously am going to ride very, very heavy on Adesanya this weekend, personally. I. I'm like house mansion, you know, obviously same as that. Throw it all. But I'll break down what'll happen if somehow Jan does win. It'd, he'd have to somehow hit him against a cage at some point, wear him down, catch him with something off of that. He, he, I don't think he'll have the reach to catch anything out in space unless they're like trading inside. He'd have to drag it into the probably the later rounds. I don't think Addy will get knocked down, knocked out early. Like the striking is just. No, so much I'm telling you guys right now, the first round of that fight is going to be going. Yeah. Right now, Adesanya's not going to do shit. He's going to throw in a couple leg kicks and he's going to try to judge the speed. The first round is going to be boring as fuck. But outside, of, once the first round finishes, once he gets that feel, once he gets the reach, he figures out his advantages there speed-wise. Like then he's going to pick him apart. Mm-hmm. And I, out, again, I say it a billion times. Outside of that, right off the break, you, you know, quick, just clips him. Oh, he caught him. You know, you can hear Joe Rogan saying it in the background. <laughs> oh God, he got him. Just real, like no one saw it coming. That's the only way I see Don winning. It's yeah. just it, one punch hits him right in the right switch, gets him right on the chin. It's only happened to Adesanya once, in over a hundred career fights. 
He's only got knocked out once, where he gets hit in a perfect spot and it puts him to sleep. That's that's it. I think that's the, that's the only thing he's got. You have to put him to sleep. Yep. You got it. You've been Jan's been banking on this. You know, he's been hyping up this. I got the Polish power. Believe in the Polish power. All right. Well, you need the Polish power because that's all you got here. That's it. And that, that that's my breakdown of it. That's I I just really really don't see it going any other way. Yep. I mean, you guys said it perfect. Adesanya's last two fights against Costa and Romero, he won me a lot of money. Uh, the Romero one was boring his balls. It was awful to watch. That's that's on Romero though, because I mean, Eddie's a counter striker. That's what he does. Like, but anyway, a lot of people go into that. I mean, Adesanya threw more strikes, and that's what I mean. Like that first round is going to be a lot like the Romero one, where he's yep. going to get the leg. He's going to be he's going to try to bait that big left hand, that big Polish power left hand, out of him, similar to how he baited it out of UL. Now he baited out of UL and he caught it, wore it on the chin a little bit, didn't knock him out. That was all you all had. You all were banking on the same strategy. He's like, okay, I need one shot. That one shot didn't land, and that's what happened. We saw the results. Adesanya's not going to fucking play your stupid game. He'll stand outside and pick it apart. If that's if that's your only strategy is one shot, he'll beat you at that game. It's going to be boring, and fans might fucking hate it. But if that's, what he's get the belt. if that's the only game you want to play, he'll play your game, and he'll beat you at that game, too. Now, if you want to you push forward, he'll put you to sleep that way, too, which is what I'm hoping he um, tries to do, push forward. I don't think it'll end well for him, but it'll make for a more exciting fight for the fans. Yep, I like the more exciting fight part. Uh, Kyle, your thoughts? I like Adesanya. I think he's... I've read articles where if he wins this fight, he's getting on like Conor McGregor level almost. And McGregor's one of my favorite UFC fighters of all time. I really like Adesanya here. I know uh, it's not going to be as easy as people might think it will be, but I do think that he's going to he's going to take it pretty handily. Yep. Well said. Well said. All right. So we just have uh, four quick questions for uh, you, Jacob, and you, Alex, uh, about the fight, just to kind of you know wrap it all up. Uh, what is your guys? If you had to pick one underdog that you think has the greatest chance of winning, what plus money guy? If you had to throw your money on, do you like the most? We'll start with. Uh, Dominic Cruz, I think, just by a landslide. He's at plus money, and he's it doesn't even seem fair. It seems like we're stealing money from Vegas at this point. So, like, <laughs> that, yeah, that one by a landslide. That's mine as well. And it's yeah. not a super heavy favorite. It's just, like we both said when we broke it down, it, it doesn't make sense. It feels like one of those situations where Vegas knows something that you don't. Yep, yep. And it's like if you don't bet on it, Dominic Cruz wins easily. And if you do bet on yeah. it, then somehow he loses. And you're just like, what? But you got to bet it's on it. Just... It's definitely one of those, but I'm going to fall for the trap every yep. single time. Every time. It's value. There's so much value there. All right. Uh, which favorite are you guys most confident in winning? I, do we throw out Nunez for this just to make it more? Right, like if, Nunez, if Nunez is in there, then I'd say her. Yeah, obviously. Um, but like a favorite you'd be willing to bet on and actually have a profit other than minus 1,200. I, that has to be, yeah, you can take it, yeah. Um, I mean, obviously I'd naturally go Adesanya. Yep. But uh, yeah, I mean, Adesanya's a big favorite. I, I say sell the yacht, but there's a little bias there. If you want to go outside of him, I mean, it hurts. Oh. Not, not it hurts, but it's a little scary. But I, I do think Rockage. I, I, I'm pretty comfortable in Rockage over Thiago, main card wise. And then you can go to the prelims. I'm, I'm pretty comfortable in a lot of those, like the Olberg over Kennedy. That one's that one might be my most comfortable one. I, I really think Olberg wipes the floor with Kennedy. Kennedy, and you can't. I'm not even trying to say his last name. It's so you place an N and a C right next to each other. How am I supposed not to make? You're just gonna keep referring to him as Kennedy. But yeah, I just I, like I said, I've, I've watched a good number of Olberg fights. I, I know a good amount of Olberg. I, I do really think that's a I don't remember off the top of my head what those lines were, but that would be a. I think I think I think Oberg is there. Yeah. I, yeah, I know I know Oberg is a favorite. Minus two fifty, minus two thirty. I think it's okay. minus two twenty five, minus two fifty. I mean, yeah, you are paying a little juice on that, but I do. If, if you're looking for one to pay a little juice for, put, put a little extra risk on. I, I think he's. He's the one. I'm pretty confident in Olberg beating Kennedy, and then obviously, yeah, you got your Amanda or Nunez over again. I think so. Yep. There are a lot of a lot of good favorite bets in this one. Yep. A lot of good favorite bets. I I think mine. If I'm going to go outside of Addy and Nunez, it'd be. Probably Makachev, Islam. I would, I'll, yep. I'll take. I'm gonna take him. Sure. Pretty fucking heavy. Yep. I would, like, he's one of my dudes that like I might throw him in a par on like two or three parlays. So yeah. All right, and then we'll combine this last question. Uh, what fight do you think will be the most interesting? And if it's different, what fight are you most interested to watch? I think the most 
I think this is, for me, it has to be Aljamain Sterling and Peter Jan. Yep. I, I think that's going to be the most interesting one because they're so high level in what they do and seeing how it's going to match up is going to be super interesting on top of like just the, the stakes that are at hand there. It's a title fight. Uh, this is the biggest fight of both guys' career. So I think that one is for sure. I um, typically, normally I would agree with him completely. That's my most exciting before the uh, podcast purposes and just to give us more information to talk about outside of that one. I'm super interested in the Dominic Cruz, Casey Kenny. Yep. Mainly because I, I like I want to know what they know that I don't. What what is it about this Casey Kenny guy? Like I mean, this is this is a hell of an opportunity for him. You beat Dominic Cruz, like that. Your resume set. You're immediately catapulted. I, I don't even know if he's ranked right now in the top fifteen. If you beat Dominic Cruz, you're immediately in the top ten. Yep. Like I, so, I, I'm just I'm super interested to see what I'm interested to see Casey Kenny. I, I know nothing about him. He's immediately catapulted in there with one of the go to the division. It's like not I, ranked. Yeah, not ranked. Fantastic. Dominic dropped to eleven. Yeah, so that, that one definitely sparks my curiosity a lot outside of, you know, those big names. Yep. Sterling Yon is The obvious one. ones. Yeah, yep. obviously, Adesanya is my number one. Sterling Yon is number two, but if you want to throw those out if you want to get more into the weeds, I'm, I'm very curious about this Dominic Cruz, Casey Kenny, to yep. see what this Casey Kenny guy has, quite frankly. I mean, he's, he's got a good record. Like, like I said, you beat Dominic Cruz, guy I could be talking about for a while. Yep. Definitely, definitely a name to remember. But also, if he loses to Dominic Cruz, there's a good chance here. We never hear of this guy again. Bye-bye. <laughs> so, bye. Yeah, big, big ratio here. I'm not sure what to think about him. All righty. Well, that was some great insight, some great information. If you guys aren't tuning in, March 6th, what is it, ESPN Plus and then pay-per-view? Yeah. Uh, for streaming or purposes. Yeah. Yep, exactly. So if you're not tuning into this fight, you're missing out. This is going to be one of the best UFC cards. I mean, is this your guys' number one ranked UFC card of all time? Yeah. Like, going yeah. into it, going into it. Because obviously it'll change. number one. Yeah. Yep. If, you're, if you're not tuning into this card, don't tune into any UFC cards. <laughs> yep. Seriously, early prelims. Like, the fact that I know all the guys on the early prelims, like, we're, we're pretty heavy in the UFC. And early prelims are always guys you've never heard of. Yeah. Dominic Cruz should be nowhere near a prelim fight. Dominic Cruz should be on a main card every single time. This dude's on the prelims. We got Kai Car France, Carlos Older. We've got a bunch of these nice freaking UFC debuts on the early prelims. Starting at like five. It's, it's an insane card. I can, yeah. Absolutely. By far the most insane card before it starts that I've ever seen. Now, there have been a lot of hyped cards that don't live up to die, but yep. that's a different story. Nothing I can do about that. Mm-hmm. From the beginning states, like this is for sure the most hyped card I've ever seen. Of pay-per-view ones, this is one you got to buy. I know where I'll be Saturday. I'll be watching it, probably at the ranch. So, it, yeah. We're going to have beers on beers. We're going to be watching this. We're going to be yelling. We're going to have a breakdown. I mean, <laughs> Jacob's got the ra- JT showing the ranch sign right now. Um, so, but, yeah, no, that wraps up our UFC. Our UFC. I always think I say USC for some reason, but two completely different things. Anyway, that wraps up that segment. And now we're going to start our guest pick segment. All right. And on to our guest pick segment, sponsored by Pitchfork Ag. Pitchfork Ag is a... Toro business owned by me and DJ's uncle Mike. It they sell Toro and steel products. Uh, they have mowers of all sizes, chainsaws, trimmers, leaf blowers, hedge trimmers, uh, snowmobiles. You name it, they have it. Go to the Pitchfork Ag in Lamar's. Uh, going into our guest pick'em segment, how this works is we'll do five games. Each of these guys are given five units to bet on, and then whoever has the highest overall unit record will win the year how it's gone so far in third place we have polk nation at minus 7.64 units second was our last week pick them tyler devos had plus 0.438 and these two are really really gunning for first place is josh campbell soup at plus 8.1 units josh sucks <laughs> we don't like soup soup is not like soup's a bad person overall and like, I think he should be, I think he should be canceled from this entire thing. 
Like when the Avengers find out who Soup is, like I think he's gonna be taken off. Y'all should go. Y'all should go search up his tweets. Yeah, dig, dig tweets. real deep. Actually, you don't even have to dig that. You can cancel him. I have screenshots. He's being became a senator or anything like that that I could blackmail. Chill. So like anything we need, like I I think you can't. I can get Soup canceled in a minute. Like no no doubt no doubt. <laughs> Anyway, in case yeah. you guys are wondering, these two, Josh, or not Josh, we love you. yeah, love you. Al Buddy and JT, I love you. I hate you. Too. <laughs> all, all good. We were part of the original group of four that bet on college basketball. We went 20 and three, me, Alex, JT, yeah. and Sue. We were we part were, of the beginning, the foundation. Yep. yep. Quit, quit my job because we were doing so goddamn good. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Pete, that oh, Patriot Super Bowl. Patriot Super Bowl. I never worked a day. <laughs> didn't have money, but didn't work a day. <laughs> that was good stuff. All right, Kyle, what's the first game we got from them to choose from? All right. So our first game is in the Big 12. We have number 17, Oklahoma State, fourth in the Big 12 at number three, Baylor. Baylor first in the Big 12, 19 and one overall. Just lost that game to Kansas. Of course, I used my mortal lock on them whenever they were playing Kansas. <laughs> but you know what they say? Crazy things happen in Allen Fieldhouse. So I'm letting that go a little bit. Uh, this is the second matchup of the year. Uh, game time is set for 6 p.m. on ESPN2. The line right now is Baylor at minus 11 and a half. The over-under set at 149 and a half. DJ, what do we got for like trends as far as this game goes? Yeah, so surprisingly, Baylor isn't very good against the spread. Uh, I, I would chalk that up to them being massive favorites. Uh, but Baylor is 5-4 and four at home against the spread. They're 7-5 and five in conference. Surprisingly, they're on a downward trend, 1-4 against the spread in their last five. Now, Oklahoma State, on the flip side, is 6-3 and three against the spread on the road, 10-6 and six in conference, and 4-1 and one in the last five. Um, obviously the hype from Baylor, you know, has made them bigger favorites than they should be. They don't cover as much. The problem with the trends is the over under trends. We're seeing no, no sticky, no, nothing that sticks out here. Oklahoma state is five and four hitting the over on the road. They're 10 and five in conference. I guess that does kind of stick out three and two in their last five Baylor on the other hand is 10 and 10 at hitting the over on the year four and five at home six and six in conference three and two like Baylor either hits it or they don't I just they're not they're not really a trend team when it comes to that but we do have some crazy good players I mean talent wise uh Kyle what players are we looking at in this game yeah we just got two like unbelievable shooters from behind the arcs for Oklahoma State you got Cade Cunningham averaging 19 and a half points per game, leading the team 6.3 rebounds, 3.5 assists and shooting 41.8% from three. And then for Baylor, you got Jared Butler, who's averaging 16.9 points, five assists and 43.5% from three. So, I mean, just two unbelievable three, three point shooters. So I'm going to, I'll get us started, I guess. Kick it off, baby. I'm still ticked off about Baylor costing me the, not only costing me like my mortal lock pretty much costed me my chance of winning February, but that <laughs> doesn't mean I'm going to bet on Oklahoma state here. I'm going to go the over 149 and a half. That would have hit the first time. That's a good call there. Um, first off, does anyone know how many of these Baylor players, if they're actually related to the players in the NBA? So they have like Jared Butler, 
some Mitchell guy, <clears throat> and then there's one other guy. Oh, it's Teague or whatever. Are any of them actually related to the NBA players? Does anyone know? Well, I know the, the Mitchell guy. doesn't. He wears number 45, doesn't he? I think so, yes. See, no, he's not because I looked into it because his last name was Mitchell and he wears the same fucking number as him. I was like, oh, they have to be related. Nope. He just wanted to fuck with me. And sure shit, it worked. I wasted 30 minutes of my life fucking searching his Google freaking history lineage, figuring out who the hell they're related to. They're not related in any way, shape, or form. Don't waste your time. They're not related. So Baylor has names that sound like they're related, but okay. they're de- they're not. It's a trap. All right. It's not. But getting that all noticed in and all that, I, I really like this Cade Cunningham. I think – when he plays, Oklahoma State plays, plus 11 and a half is a lot of points. I'm going Oklahoma State, plus 11 and a half. Uh, let's turn it over to the boys. I don't know who wants to bat lead off here. Uh, I'll go for it. All right. So, so, yeah, I guess I might be wrong on it, but the way you explain the rules to me, we get five points to put on whatever we want. Yep. So On I each bet. Yeah. So, yeah. like, the – Oklahoma, I, Oklahoma State, I get five points, right? Yep, and then the next one you get an additional five. And you can use all five. You can use one. I mean, it's yeah. strictly up to you. Yeah. Tom, correct me if I'm wrong at any point. I'm going Oklahoma State plus 11. I'm only going one point on that. And then I'm going four points on the uh, over. Is that acceptable? Yep, I'll explain that. good. Okay, so my reasoning here, I think Oklahoma State, I think Baylor is by far the better team, no doubt about it. But I don't think Baylor has been playing their best basketball. And as Kyle brought up just two games ago, they got absolutely shellacked by a arguably the worst Kansas team I've ever seen. I've been alive 20, what, how old am I? 23, 22? Yep, that's all right. Been alive for a while now. This is by far the worst Kansas team I've ever seen. And Baylor got shellacked by them. They don't beat the brakes off of many teams. And Oklahoma State – they lose a lot of games, but they lose a lot of close games. And I just think with them having the best player in the country right now and Cade Cunningham, the best co- collegiate player, I should clarify. But I, I heavily assume he's going to go number one in the draft this coming offseason. I just think with him, 11 and a half points in a conference game, I just think that's a lot of points. And so I'm going with Oklahoma State plus 11. Only going one point there, and then I'm going four points on the over, because as DJ alluded to, they hit the over the last time they played, and last time they played, neither team shot very well, and they have typically Oklahoma State typically plays to the competition. So if their competition scores a lot of points, they'll score a lot of points. If they don't, they won't. And Baylor typically scores a lot of points outside of that Kansas game. I'm thinking that Kansas game as the outlier. I think Baylor puts up a lot of points. I think Oklahoma State matches. Ends within an 11-point spread, and they hit the over. That's what I'm going with there. So I got four on the over and one point on plus 11 for Oklahoma State. I like it. Sound logic, Jacob. We'll roll to you, buddy. What do you got? If you say the same thing, I'm going to flip out. (laughs) No, no, no. So, you know – Obviously, it's going to be a lot less in-depth of a breakdown here coming from me because I, I know nothing about college basketball. Literally nothing. So take my picks for a grain of salt. But 
I ha- I just had uh, Oklahoma State at the plus eleven point five. I just had them at that, and that was about it. I uh, then with I'll probably put two on that or whatever. Because you do you do points off of that, right? Well, unit it's units, so like units. They're yeah, mi- yeah. So they're gonna be minus one ten. So like one. So basically, two point two units would win you two units, or betting two units would win you like 1.8 it's like close to that i'll do 1.2 units on oklahoma state then 1.2 or 2.2 or 1.1 are you trying yeah yeah, yeah. 1.1 on oklahoma state uh plus one eleven and a half gotcha yeah and and that's off correct yeah all right, sounds good. So we kind of struggled through the first one. We were trying to figure it all out. It's not easy. So, uh, Kyle, let's lead us off to the next one. Next one, the Red River, River rivalry between Texas, fifth in the Big 12, against Oklahoma, sixth in the Big 12. Game time is set for 8 p.m. Central time. This is the second match of the season. The first time they played, Oklahoma won 80-79. to 79. So it's going to be a really, really close game. Uh, current line is set for Oklahoma minus two, over under set at 142 and a half. DJ, what are we looking at as far as trends go? First off, this is a battle between Kyle and Alex because Alex is a huge Longhorns fan. Kyle is a huge Oklahoma fan. This is almost uh, a UFC. <laughs> yep, raise them, baby. Hook them. Uh, so, Yeah. So this is a battle between these two. I'm assuming each one's going to have to bet on their team. And only one can win, so this will be interesting. Uh, But to get into some trends, Texas, not very good at covering against the spread. Um, They're 4-10 and against the spread in the conference, 5-4 and against the spread on the road, 8-13 and overall. Uh, They're 2-2 and against the spread in their last five games. Oklahoma's pretty good at covering the spread at home. They're 8-4 and at home. They're nine and six in conference, but to note, they're one and four against the spread in their last five. Over unders, uh, pretty boilerplate. Texas likes to hit the over in conference. They're eleven and four. Uh, Oklahoma doesn't like to hit the over at home. They're four and eight. Uh, so there's, yeah, there's not really any significant trends. Hey, he's got the Texas flag out, boys. <laughs> Kyle, go get the Oklahoma fan quickly. <laughs> I only got one. <laughs> oh man, but uh, yeah, Texas. Texas kind of has a three-headed oh, monster. I'll just cover guys. There you go. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Kyle, what players should we watch? Look out for today in the in the matchup. Yeah, so Texas has a really good uh, two players. So you got Andrew Jones averaging fourteen point eight points and five rebounds per game. Then you got Corton Ramey, who's averaging thirteen point seven points and four assists and shooting almost 43% from three. And then OU, you got Austin Reeves averaging 17.6 points per game, 5.7 rebounds and 5.1 assists, leading Oklahoma in all those categories. So I guess I'll get started here. Alex, I've appreciated you this whole time. I want you to know that everything I say is nothing but respect except this. Horns always down, boomer sooner, Oklahoma money line. Wow. Big play from Kyle. Um, so the last game they played was 80 to 79 and the current over set at 142 and a half. Uh, Texas is really good at hitting the over in conference. I, I want points. Uh, I don't really want 
Texas, I don't really want Oklahoma. I want points. I want threes. I want dunks. I want no defense. I'm going over all day. All right, go to the ranch. Jacob, let's start with you. Let Al finish it out, being he's a Texas fan. Okay, so I have uh, Texas on the money line and the over. Um, I just – the last matchup was – what was it? It was like one-point difference. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One-point difference. I think Texas has, has the edge this time. And I just I just fucking love the over here. I love overs in general, so that's just great. So, uh, yeah, just the over, and I'll let Al take it from here. Wait, what units, though? Oh, so I'm going to go uh, two units on Texas and – one unit on the over. All righty. And um, is that Texas money line or Texas spread? Uh, they're plus, aren't they? Yeah, plus two. They're plus two. Yeah, 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 then I'll take the spread. Okay, spread. Gotcha. All right, Al, buddy, wrap it up for us. So, obviously, Texas plus two on the spread, all five points. No fucks given. Send it up. <laughs> Send it! So, I will say that Oklahoma's a good squad. They had it. They had it. You want that? Yeah, hold it up for it. So yeah. uh, I mean, last game was a close one. It's the, the Red River rivalry. So, like, it's going to be close every time. The only bummer is there's no fans. So, home court advantage isn't really much of a thing. I think that Texas comes away with this. Oklahoma took the last one. Obviously, my bias is going to play a little bit into this. I do think Texas is the better team. I think they have more skill. I think you named off their top two players, and Greg Brown wasn't even mentioned in there. And he's a five-star top premier athlete in this, in this freshman draft class, and Oklahoma doesn't have anyone of that level. I think pure talent-wise, Texas has more talent. It's whether of, it's a matter of whether they come out and execute against, I think, last time. Obviously, Oklahoma beat them because Texas just – they didn't execute down the stretch. It was a close game. Oklahoma made the shots they needed to make. They beat them. I think Texas comes away this time. I think, personally, I didn't do anything on the over-under. I think the under is going to hit this time, though. I think Texas clamps down on defense. I think they come in more focused. And, yeah, I think Longhorns walk away with this win. I got Texas plus two, just in case they do lose on another buzzer beater, lose at the last second by one. We'll still cover. But I think Texas wins straight up. Hook them horns, baby. And and all and all joking aside, I sincerely think that the Red River rivalry is one of the best rivalries in college in college sports. So it's I completely agree with that right there. Like I I hate Oklahoma. I can't stand them, but I fucking need them and I need their fans and I need the shit talking to keep the rivalry alive because it creates fire and we love it. Yes, sir. The thing, yeah, the thing about the Red River rivalry is it generally stretches across all sports, whereas, you know, like your Duke-North Carolina rivalry, that's just uh, basketball. Your Iowa-Iowa State, like your in-state rivalries, they're just kind of minor, whereas the For Red sure. River rivalry is just, oh, man. like it's Yeah, no, that, that's a, a straight-up fact. Red River rivalry, I mean, obviously it's biggest in football because they're usually both always good in football, but over these last couple of years – especially with Texas being able to get back. Oklahoma's been pretty steady around that. They've been a lot steadier in basketball than Texas has for whatever reason. Not going to get into it with my disappointment with Texas basketball. But <laughs> finally, this year, we're putting a couple things together, playing pretty well. 
and yeah, it's exciting to be able to bring the, the rivalry and the, the hype back to basketball because it was there for a long time. And yeah, there that's kind of one of the main reasons I became a Texas fan was their ability to compete in all of the, every single sport, football, basketball, baseball, they're there in all of them. And you could say the same of Oklahoma as much as I hate them. They compete in all sports across the board. And it's, that's, that's what it takes to make a rivalry. And it's that absolutely what it takes to make, put some hype on these games. So yeah, that's definitely that's definitely the one of the pickums that you guys picked out that I am most excited about. And as always, like it, it's a it's it's a friendly rivalry. You guys gotta understand me and Al, like I just met Alex, but it's nothing but respect. But I mean, it, it's it's a rivalry game. We're gonna talk all kinds of junk and stuff like that. But yeah. I can see the hate flying out of Kyle's eyes. It's like the devil with the the lightning flames. I mean, he's just livid right now. DJ DJ seen me angry, and he knows it's not now. It might yeah. be the pain pills. I don't know. Oh. <laughs> all right. Let's uh let's transition into the NBA now. So uh, we got an exciting game at 7:30 p.m. on TNT. We have the Heat against the Pelicans. This is the uh, second matchup of the season. The first matchup of the Heat won 111 to 98. As of right now, no line is available because the Pelicans, as we record, are playing the Bulls at home. Uh, the previous game line they had Miami minus three and an over under of 221. Uh, DJ, what do we got as far as trends goes? Yeah, so uh, first off, the picks that the boys are making are preliminary uh, until full lines come out. So they are allowed to make changes uh, to their picks because obviously not knowing the lines, it's not fair. Uh, But talking some spreads here, and obviously since they're playing a game, it's going to be off a game, the the Pelicans are currently playing the Bulls. Uh, but the Heat are 14 and 19 against the spread. They're seven and nine on the road. They're four and one in the last five, which is somewhat of a good sign. The Pelicans are 15 and 19, eight and nine at home, and three and two. So nothing really to read there. What I do notice is the over/unders. Pelicans love to hit overs. They're 24 and nine at hitting the over, 14 and two at home, and they are four and one in their last five at hitting the over. I mean. It's it's interesting dynamic to me. They just must not play defense and play offense, whereas the Heat are kind of the flip side of that. Uh, but first, Kyle, when you talk about some star players, the matchup we got today or tonight, yeah. I guess. Yeah, so you got – for Miami, you got Bam Adebayo, who's just been putting on a clinic this year so far, averaging 19.9 points, 9.5 rebounds, 5.4 assists. And then for the Pelicans, you got Zion. And Zion has absolutely, since he's stepped foot in the NBA, just been feeling it. Uh, he's averaging 25.5 points per game, 7.2 rebounds, 3.4 assists. This is going to be an exciting exciting game. The records don't show up, but this is going to be a, a good game to watch. So just based on the over-under trends, unless the over is just outrageous, I think the over hits. And if it's a 221 over, it'll hit for sure. That's where you're going with the over. So I'm gonna go the over, and like I said, unless it's like outrageous, like a 240 over or something like that, which I've seen with some games. Like I bet under for a 240 over and it hit easily. So, <laughs> yeah, we so unless the yeah. unless the over under is outrageous, I'm going the over for this game. So Miami just put up 80 points the last game they played. So I don't like Miami's offense. And with Bam playing defense, I don't like their defense. Or I like their defense, but I don't like it in over situation. 
I'm going Pelly's. Pelly's at home. They lost to him like the third game of the season by a decent chunk. I think, you know, the, the thing about the Pelicans is they're either going to show up or they're not. Like they can show up for three straight games and just light it up. And then they'll just show up against the like the next week. They'll play a bunch of scrub teams and they'll get whooped. Like the Pelicans are so inconsistent. It's frustrating. But I'm riding the Zion wave. Brandon Ingram actually looks good this year. Lonzo Ball, the better of the two balls as of right now. You heard what I said. Lighten it up. That's what I'm going with. Uh, Al, we'll let, let you bat lead off this this one. What are you thinking? I am on the uh, same boat. I'm going Pelicans plus three, and I'm throwing all five of my points on it. I just think that specifically, I don't know if he will still be, but I know Jimmy Butler is out. And I look at Jimmy Butler very similarly to the way I look at Marcus Smart, where he's kind of the heart and soul and the engine of that team. And if you take that that heat, that fire, that competitiveness out of that team, I don't see the defense there. I don't see I don't see the skill on that team to finish it down the stretch. I think there's more overall skill in the Pelicans with Brandon Ingram, Zion Williams, Williamson. With Monzo Ball, you got all those guys. I just think there's a lot more talent overall than you have. Bam Adebayo, extremely talented. After that, big old drop off. Rolling with Duncan Robinson, rolling with Goran Dragic, rolling with Tyler Harrow. <laughs> like it, it's not the same. Come on, I I just think I think the Pelicans are the more talented team. And especially getting plus three points, I think there's the value there. I don't know how the game will end up because obviously NBA is fuckery and you don't yeah. always know the more talented team doesn't always win, especially in the regular season, but just looking on paper, I'm, I'm going with Pelicans plus three, all five of my points. Yep. And I, they might come out as favorites, honestly, but I think it'll still be within three points. I don't think there'll be a huge favorite by any means. Yeah. I think, I think I'd still stick with Pelicans. Yeah, for sure. Regardless. I'm thinking home team's going to be like minus two, three, and I'm taking that, but and that's Pelicans. But anyway, Jacob, wrap it up, buddy. What do you got for us? Um, I'm going to ride with uh, over. I'm going to put three on that, and then I'm going to put wherever the, the line ends at for the Pels. Uh, I'll put two on that as well because I know very little about the upcoming bets. So I want to be Josh, so I got to shoot big here. Yeah. So, so I'm going to run – I'll run two on wherever they land it, whether it's like plus three or plus two. And then the rest, uh, we'll go three on that and then two on the uh, over. You got it, boss. All right. Let's transition to a little bit of the frozen tundra, a.k.a. some hockey. I have slowly taken out, well, I've taken out more under my wing the last two years of college, but I've slowly gotten JT on the wave of what getting, yeah. getting, Getting into the NHL. All right, we got the Philadelphia Flyers at the Pittsburgh Penguins. Both teams are tied for fourth in the East Division at 25 points. The game time is 6 p.m. Central on ESPN+. Plus. This is the fourth matchup of the season. The Flyers are up 2-1. to one. Surprisingly, the over is 3-0. and oh. uh, They played last Tuesday, uh, so this would be, what, two days ago? They played, and it was a 2-5 to five win for Pittsburgh. The current line has the Flyers at minus 125, the Penguins at plus 110, and the over-under at 6. Um, 
Kyle, you want to go over some trends for us and then maybe touch on some star players? I can do the star players. Don't matter to me. Yeah, so the as far as trends goes, uh, the Flyers are 5-3-1 on the, on the road this year. They're 3-2 and two in their last five. And the Penguins are uh, uh, eight and one at home this year, and three and two in their last five. So I guess looking at star players too for the Flyers, you got James Ben Rimesdick. Did I say that right? Sounds good. Sounds kind of funny, but yeah, sounds good. Okay, he has uh, ten goals, sixteen assists, and twenty six points, leading the team in all three categories. And then the Penguins, you got Crosby and Jake Getzel. Gensel. There we go. Getzel. Get. Getzel, former Sioux City Musketeer, star, Jake Getzel. But anyway, carry on, Kyle. No, you're good. He has the ex- those two have the exact same stat line. They both have seven goals, eleven assists, eighteen points. Um, as far as this game goes, over under over under six. What do you always say, DJ? Three to a three to three. Hits over, it every hits, time. Hits every time. That's what every I'm going time, with. baby. I'm going, I'm going over six. All right. I Pittsburgh's a different team at home. They're eight and one at home. They they beat the Flyers beat them the first two times when the Flyers were at home. The Penguins won the one matchup at home. The Flyers are a great team, but if I'm getting the Penguins at plus bunny, plus one ten, I like the Penguins at home all day. Eight and one. And then the over, obviously, another decent bet. So I'm going over. I'm going penguins. Uh, I think that's where the value lies, but let's switch it to the boys. What do you guys got? You want to go? Yeah, I just have a uh, flyers at the money line for uh, just one unit right now. Uh, obviously, I don't know a ton about hockey, so I can't go in depth with this at all. But I'm feeling the flyers here with the uh, oh, they're 25 each, so I like the flyers here. I'm going to go with the uh, over of six. I'm riding with Kyle here. I think that they're both pretty solid teams, and it's kind of a uh, toilet bowl of the worst fans. We got Pennsylvania versus Pennsylvania, so they can duke it out and fight with each other. I think they're both pretty solid squads. They've played each other pretty close both times, and so I'm expecting a fourth close game. And in close games in hockey, you can always bank on a little empty net goals, some fuckery towards the end. Yeah. I think six is a little low for as talented a team as they are. I think we're going to get a competitive game and a close ending. So I'm, I'm, I'm thinking it hits it over. What are you about, think, How many? I'm units? thinking five. Five units. I love it. I send the house on all of them, baby. Oh, I'm, I love it. We're going going for soup. You got to be yep. soup. You got to shoot the score, baby. Exactly. And I, I honestly think we have a very likely three to three scenario in that game. I mean, that's what the, I'm thinking. It, yeah, I'm thinking it's going. It's going to be three two going into the final minutes of the fourth. It's a matter of how that or Does final it, minutes, final final minutes of the third, obviously, yep. final minutes of the game. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it all depends on how that empty goal scenario pans out. In my, if they tie it up and go three three, or do we get a free empty net four two? I mean, either way, I like it. Exactly, that's what I'm thinking. All righty. So our other hockey game, we got the Lightning, who are in first place with 31 points in the Central Division, going up against the surprising Blackhawks, who are in fourth place in the Central Division with 28 points. No one thought the Blackhawks would be good, and they are good, surprisingly. Uh, But 
Game time is 7 p.m. on ESPN+. Plus. It's the third matchup of the season. The first two games that the Lightning played this year were against the Blackhawks. They won the first two. The over went 1-0-1, so they pushed on one of them. Uh, this, is gonna, this is interesting because it's the first game of a three-game series. So they're playing Thursday tonight, and then they play Friday, and then they have a day off, and they play Saturday. Or No, they have a day off, so then they play Sunday. So they're taking the night off Saturday to watch the UFC card is what I'm thinking. And yeah, so they're playing two games, taking a night off to watch the UFC guard, and then they're back at it Sunday. Uh, so this is definitely in series play in hockey. You definitely can, like, let's say the Tampa Bay lose the first two. I guarantee they win game three. You can, you can kind of play it like that. And if then they lose game three, well, you're out of money. But it's a strategy you can use. But uh, currently the game line has Tampa Bay at minus 215, Chicago at plus 190. And the over under at six. Uh, Kyle, trends, players, let us know. I know you're you're a big Tampa Bay fan. Sometimes, sometimes I am. But Tampa Bay <laughs> has absolutely been feeling it this year on the road. They are nine and one on the road this year. Five and zero oh in their last five. But Chicago hasn't been too shabby either. They're six three and one at home and three and two in their last five. And I know you guys may not watch hockey a lot, but I guarantee you know these two names. Steven Stamkos for Tampa Bay, my favorite NHL player, has 10 goals leading the team, 10 assists, and 20 points. And then for Chicago, you got Patrick Kane, who has 11 goals, 23 assists, and 34 points. And you're right, DJ, I am a Tampa Bay fan, and I love their money line at minus 215, so I am taking Tampa Bay money line this game. It's a good call, and... Honestly, with this series, uh, I might start out going Tampa Bay minus one and a half. I know Chicago's going to steal one, and I honestly think they might steal the first. Uh, so for this, I think I have to go Chicago plus 190. Plus 190 is a lot for, I think, what are more close to evenly matched teams. Um, so, yeah, I'm going Chicago. I like the over, too. I mean, Chicago doesn't play defense. Tampa Bay can score. I And Chicago can score. So I, I like the over. I like Chicago. Uh, if Chicago loses the first game, then I'm betting them to win the second game. If they lose the second game, I'm betting them to win the third. Uh, basically, I'm using this series. I think it's going to get split 2-1. I think Tampa Bay is winning two of the three games. So you just got to pick which game Chicago wins, hit it, and then hit your Tampa Bay bets. It's a complicated series of strategy, but if you pull it off, make bank, and then throw it on Adesanya Saturday night. <laughs> But anyway, let's go to the boys. What do they think? What do you guys got? Um, I was thinking the Tampa Bay money line. Uh, I just like the trends there. I, I don't think Chicago is very good, to be honest. And uh, I just, yeah, I really like Tampa Bay here. So I'm just going to do a money line with uh, just plus one with the one unit, I guess. So I am also going, I'm going with Lightning minus 215. A little juice to pay, but I'm throwing all five units on it. Smart. I think Lightning are straight up better team. I uh, two years ago when I was deciding on what NHL when Deej first me first took me under his wing, was trying to decide what team to become a fan of, and it was basically came down to Chicago versus the Wild, and I uh, ended up on the Wild, and I've been riding with them ever since, but. Where I'm going with this, I, I guess I have a little – I have an idea of Chicago's roster and the players they have on it. And they have some talented names for sure. 
it, they just don't compete with the Lightning. Like I, they're not, they're not as good as their record is right now. Based on the players that I know, and again, I don't know a ton about hockey, but I know a little bit. I know enough, and I, I know that on paper, the Lightning are the far superior team to the Blackhawks. And I just don't think they have enough to get it done. Now, I like the strategy with the Blackhawks taking one of the series somewhere along the line. I just don't think this first game is that one. So I'm going with the Lightning minus 215. All five units. I like it. All righty. Well, that wraps it up. Do you guys have any Twitter, Instagram, anything you want to promote? Are you just selling your own wallets or something? You got something you want to promote? People invite people out to the ranch. What's the move? What do you guys take it away? You can follow me at follow at a at a J T. Yeah. Capital F capital J T. Yeah. Follow me there. I don't you follow my main. If y'all, if you guys like my outgoing personality, feel free to follow me at Alex Long Zero Two. But if not, don't follow me because I tweet a lot of outrageous shit. And if you're gonna get annoyed by it, don't even bother. I'm not not looking for a ton of followers. I say what I think. I'm very opinionated. So if you like me, feel free to follow. If you don't, don't follow. That's cool. Classic and yeah, Al and JT, they they can get after it on Twitter. If you slip up and say something stupid, especially about something they know, they're they're gonna let you have it. I mean, they're right up there with soup. I mean, the three of them. Woo. I have a I have a warning in my uh, bio that I'm strongly opinionated and will argue you. So I can't be ta- it can't be used against me. It's a simple game. Just don't say anything stupid. You know, if you always agree with me, we're good. Exactly. (laughs) Don't say stupid shit. You won't win stupid prizes. (laughs) Play stupid games, win stupid prizes. Oh, that's my favorite. All right, Kyle, wrap it up. What promotions do we have? Yeah, so once again, Alex, JT, thank you both for coming on. We appreciate it. Um, As always, you guys can uh, look at all our daily locks on our website at www.com com. follow us on twitter at feud gambling uh next thursday we'll have another podcast brand new picker be sure to tune in next time we also want to promote our buddy pace and brandon's podcast the mount lockmore podcast that can be found on apple music spotify or google play uh, also want to give a shout out to our other capper social media at coda capper pace at brs35 at pumba cakes at locks underscore stone and at Campbell D Josh. And then also finally follow our own, our t- personal Twitters at Comdog and then at DJ low 4422. So once again, thanks guys. What an electric episode this was. And I hope to see you guys again next time. Yeah. Great episode by you guys. Thanks for the UFC special. Uh, these guys. If you catch them at the bar at the wrong time, you know, they're going to put you in a headlock and choke you out. I mean, they're going to, whatever that Brown guy's name was, uh, Stephen Brown or whatever, who choked out the Spencer Jones or whatever. Braden Brown. Braden Brown. I was close. I was close. Anyway, but yeah, no, thank you guys for coming on for a UFC special. And I'm excited to watch the the fights with y'all. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for having us, boys. It was a good time. Yep. See you, boys. Make sure everyone tunes in for that UFC fight. Yes, sir. Kyle DJ on the mic, Gambling Feud, partnered with Coda Sports Gambling Network.
Hitting bets, hitting bets, hitting checks, hitting checks, making necks, making necks. I bet, let's hit some bets. Locks on, locks on, locks on, locks. Locks on, locks on, locks on, locks. I don't need the keys when I got the locks. Hitting them wagers, locking my pacer, doing it major. LA Lakers, locks on, locks on, locks on, locks. Locks on, locks on, locks on, locks. I don't need the keys when I get the locks. Hitting them wagers, locking my pacer, doing it major. LA Lakers.